1: Figure Lending LLC DBA Figure. Equal Opportunity Lender. NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Mikey, there's a new one. Min, Sex caliber Bones a lot. Madeline, Edward, Sunzi, Alyssa, Vixen, Holly, Natasha, Laura, Boezy, Jeremy, Ali, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, Wes, Aaron, Kristen, Tia, Matthew, Jonathan, Isaac, and Karoon. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to... And you're a valuable member of this awesome Horror Virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, please do so in the Facebook group where we all still believe. uh, I won't grow up. I think you mean, I won't grow up. No, sir,
2: I won't.
3: Star up, you have to clap your cheeks as loud as you can. <laughs> Thank you for
1: tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Lost Boy Todd, which means <laughs> I loved this movie when we first watched it for episode, I think, 17. So I got to make you re-watch it while we revisited The Lost
2: Boy. The Lost Boys.
3: Boys. The last Boy. Me and Paige were not on that episode.
1: You guys weren't. It was the uh formerly a uh, previously Highlandered, I believe, hosts of the show Jen and Clint were on that episode, yeah.
3: Unfortunately, they were lost in a plane crash over the Andes Mountains and ate each other.
1: There's a movie on Netflix about that right now, right?
3: Yeah, they were had a rugby game down there.
1: Yeah, my friend just watched it. She said it was great. So, this is the first time I've ever gotten to pick a movie for the podcast. I know. And I think I picked wisely, because I remember watching this movie when we watched it originally for the episode in Jen's, like, little pod loft at her old uh, house. And, mm-hmm. like, I remember really liking it, and... I liked it a lot today. Have you guys seen it before? You have to have seen this. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, of course. So what did you guys think about it since this is your first time talking about it on a podcast?
4: Uh, It's such a fun slice of the time. Oh, yeah. I feel like on a rewatch today... Uh, reminded that this is a Joel Schumacher film. I could not escape the blatant homoeroticism throughout the entire (laughs) film. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's (laughs)
1: everywhere, man.
4: I love it. Uh, I think Jason Patrick in this movie is gorgeous. (laughs) I want to be Jamie Gertz in this movie. Her hair is beautiful.
3: Is that Star?
4: (laughs) That is Star, yeah. It's a fun movie. It's only like 97 minutes long, so it's like the perfect length. Yeah. It has its own vampire mythology, which is fun. And all of it takes place at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk where I grew up spending summers. So it's always fun for me to be like, oh, hey. That place with, like, a bunch of murders, kind of like when Us took place there as well, so. Ah. Oh, it's the same boardwalk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same boardwalk. This shoots mostly on the boardwalk, and a lot of the stuff you see in this movie is still there. So, like, I'll talk about it a little bit in fun facts, but if you ever want to, like, go and just like see where lost boys happened the santa cruz beach boardwalk there you go is there a shirtless man playing saxophone lit
1: only by metal trash cans on fire because if no i'm not going probably okay
3: i'm in let's do this so i have developed a (laughs) headcanon uh oh also okay so i haven't watched this movie in years but i've always loved lost boys since i was a boy since you were a lost boy Yes, it was really nice to revisit it. I do think it holds up as like a better 80s movie. And like, yeah, yeah, it's really fun. And I've developed a headcanon where like, you know, know, kind of explains. I think this takes place in the same universe as Mad Max, but like right before the fall. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you're going to get there, but I cannot wait to find out.
4: No, I I see what you're getting at, and I I think it's just because you've never been to Santa Cruz, because (laughs) if you have, you'd be like, no, this is what it looks like all the time.
1: (laughs) I love how Paige literally just said that it looks exactly like it does in this movie still, (laughs) and you were like, like, that's definitely right before the fall in this Armageddon-ish movie called Mad Max. (laughs) It's looked that way for years.
3: <laughs> really, the the saxophone man is what made this theory happen. It's because ah, uh, okay, I got you. It's a free concert with an oiled up saxophone man going hard. There's all these barrels with fire on everywhere, yeah. and it's just hundreds of people dressed like Magmax characters, not making sense. And I was like, oh, this like. This must be what happens before they're given water.
2: Right, right. <laughs> In gasoline <laughs> lands, yes. Now
1: all I'm picturing is like those big vehicles, but instead of the bass player, it's just the saxophone guy playing saxophone yeah. on the front and fire shooting out of the front of the saxophone. Eat a dick,
4: Kenny G! It would absolutely fit. It would that be would great. That would not
3: be a weird thing. No, it'd be awesome.
4: But instead, take this movie and just add... Garlic fries
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You got it uh,
4: Also the cave train I think I brought up The cave train on I don't remember If it was this Or Romancing the Pod But the cave train Is also there uh, It's oh. this is the same place Oh really Yeah One of the things I
1: love about this movie Is someone asked them Like the producers How are you gonna do Like the whole vampires can fly thing and they were like i don't know just like camera swoops with no establishing shot as to what's swooping
4: and lots of trench coats <laughs> Dude, in
1: the last fight where it's just like swooping cameras and you see Kiefer's arm punch yeah and then it's like swooping camera again i was like this is terrible in a very specifically 80s way that i love yeah yeah okay yeah.
3: On the flip side, I would rather see creative shots like that oh, yeah. than really terrible-looking special effects.
1: Well, and I think, okay, so, like, if you can't pull it off and because you don't have the money for the really cool special effects or whatever— I much prefer this because this still sort of holds up. Like, yeah. I don't really think any of the gore looks bad. You know, it's all no, practical, no. it looks like, which is fine.
3: I think you fill in the, the blank spots in your mind. I think that's. I think yeah. that was a creative way because it, 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 <laughs> it, it would be very dumb to just show these people floating in the air all the time.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: no, it, it would. And, and there are a few times where we see them, like, hanging upside down or, man, I still really love the hanging under the train shot. Yeah, even though you can clearly see the three layers in that shot, but it looks it still looks great. Like it holds up the way they shot it is so good.
3: I think it's a fun tale. I mean, like, you know, like it's a, it's a good story, but pretty simple. And like, I like the dynamics of the kids. And you know, like, I think it works. It's it rushes through it. You're right, with the pacing thing. It's like, Oh yeah. Michael's a good brother. Now he's a bad brother. Now he's almost a vampire. Then you gotta stop him, and then like, all right, final confrontation. Done. They
1: flip
4: on that so much, it's like laughable to me. I love it. Honestly, personally, I think he's hotter as the bad brother. Oh, really, Paige? Oh, really?
1: Do you? I think that Corey Feldman's like attempt at doing a deeper voice in this movie makes me laugh Wild. the most. Because it's like He's he's always talking like this. And it makes me laugh so much. Like, he's a frog boy, right? Or whatever. Frog brother. Right. He's one of the frog bro. What would you? He's, is he not a frog boy? Is he? A, I don't know. Frog brother. But if you have one of the frog brother, what do you call him? That's a frog boy.
4: What? I would say still a frog brother. Yeah, brother's a singular. Even if your brother's not with you, you're still a brother. Brother. Now
1: you're talking my language, Mikey. I get it. Oh God.
4: Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let me
1: just turn that back to zero. So anyway, I do love, I do love the the frog brothers in this. I think they're perfect. And I think, like, the, like, little kid teenager subplot is, like, one of my favorites. And I do think I pointed this out in the last episode that we did on this, like, all the way back in the day. But, like, I really love how the head vampire is also his own red herring in this movie. Yes. And they explain it away because he's like, oh, what? You invited me in, so I'm immune to
4: everything. Which is... Not the case in any other vampire mythology. That's only for this movie. I didn't think so. I was going to ask because I was like, I don't think that's the thing
1: because
3: the other th- other mythologies have, if you're like an older vampire, you do have more powers or more immunity. Oh, if like yes. You're into the old. But
1: the whole like subset of if you invite me into your house, I can then eat a meal with garlic in it like that to me was a a clear reason to ever, if I'm a a vampire, ask to enter someone's house because daddy love him some garlic. But, I don't know, I thought it was just a funny way of getting
3: there. I forgot that he had a whole plan of, like, they want to be a blended family yes. and stuff. Until yeah. the, I was like, oh, wow, I forgot about this. They
1: really did want to be, like, the
3: Brady Bunch of vampires. Yeah. So I forgot that they targeted Michael. I thought it was all random, and I was like, this is all too random. And I was like, oh, he no, he, like, picked this out for his mom and he stuff. He picked him. Yeah.
4: yeah. But also, because this is that's the one part of the movie that, like, and it's only because I'm a vampire nerd that I'm like, ah, meh, meh. this mythology is a little weird because at the time that he gets invited in, Michael's a half vampire at that point. According to the mythology of this movie, half vampire is kind of a nebulous state because yeah. he hasn't fed yet. Right. Yeah. But in most vampire mythology, only a human can invite you in. So if he's a half vampire, technically that shouldn't have worked either.
3: Well, technically the mom already invited him.
4: But you ha- once you get to the door... They have to invite you in. Yeah,
1: I do think it's like a threshold thing. Not like you've received an invitation to this event kind of thing. Although, I don't know. I honestly, I, I know Paige is a vampire nerd, so I just like yields to her knowledge on it. But like, I've always thought it was a threshold thing.
4: It is a threshold thing. And different vampire mythologies handle this in different ways. Of course. Where like in True Blood, you can like, I rescind your invitation and it like sucks people out of the house which is super cool. Oh my God, I love that. Oh man, have you guys ever wanted to do that? You're like,
1: oh, I maybe I shouldn't have invited you to come back to my place, uh, and I resent my invitation.
3: Yeah. Never invite anybody to my place. <laughs> I always go to their place.
1: <laughs> no, Mikey, I was assuming that that was them doing that to you, when you're like, um, I'm gonna go ahead and have to go. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> There's
4: also a loophole in True Blood where if a vampire purchases a home, they can come and go as they please. It's The difference is if it's a human-owned Well, yeah, I mean,
1: if they own their own house, they would be the one inviting themselves into it. So yeah, they could live there. Sure. Yeah.
4: But there's there's a point at which Alexander Skarsgård purchases the mortgage on a character's home, another character's home, and then can come and go as he pleases because he technically owns it. That is such a. Such a weird subplot and a very horny vampire tale. Whatever. It's it's a lot of naked Alexander Skarsgård and Joe Manganiello. And I don't <laughs> feel like I need to apologize for that. Yeah, I, I
1: understand why you like it for sure. Yeah. Breaking news from Nashville Severe Weather Twitter. Hell yeah. Nash Severe WX is their handle. And they've saved my life more
3: than once. They're saying at least three to five inches, maybe more, if depending on the weather.
1: Which is a lot, lady. That's what I told Natalie, lady. Well
3: and then it's supposed to only get up to 17 degrees Until like Thursday or Friday So like I know
1: We have 100 hours of sub freezing temperatures As the snows (laughs) arrive Yes
4: I am not dealing with that But we we should let people know Mikey wrote the outline this week because oh, I was dealing shit, with some wild, wild family shit. Mikey, you
1: wrote the outline. This is gonna be so much fun. I'm so happy. I legit <laughs> forgot.
2: Oh my god. Oh my god.
1: Oh my god. I'm excited. Okay. Paige
3: had to travel for personal reasons, and I said, "Girl, I got this." <laughs> he was like, "Damn, girl. What? What about that
1: outline, though?" So it's gonna be a different vibe. That's fine.
4: I thought this would be the perfect movie for it. I thought it would ah, fit very well. I'm legit excited. I forgot.
3: I forgot. <laughs> it, it's honestly not bonkers enough, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I am going to make the tough call here. I'm going to say that Lost Boys makes more sense, less bonkers, than Charlie St. Cloud.
4: Oh! 100% Yes That's accurate That's true There's no ambulances For us to scream about <laughs> Everything
1: in this movie Makes sense And I would argue Like Paige It does differ Like it differs
4: From other vampire lore But yeah like, Sure 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 But it makes sense But it establishes It's lore quickly It does Yeah yes. yeah Within it's own lore It makes sense
2: Yeah Yes
3: that's what I'm saying In the magical realism Of this movie It works It's like We wrote a comic book For the character to read To establish the lore Yeah, exactly
2: I
1: do love how Every time Kiefer Sutherland Is in a scene That is not an action scene It is shot and lit Like it's Shakespeare on Broadway. Like it's just him and it's always like a hard lit spotlight on him. And everyone is like around him looking at him like he's the center focus
3: of a Renaissance
1: painting. It's so funny to me. He looks like
3: his dad a lot in this movie. Yes, he does. But but also you can see when he dies later on that his vampire ability is just spotlighting. So like a spotlight (laughs) follows him around. That's
4: what I mean.
1: Even that shot when he's like, Michael is like looking over his shoulder at him and he's got the two horns coming out of his chest. Here's
3: what bothers me the most about this film. What today? Oh, I'm let's get into it, all right. Now that I've watched the whole film, like I I got their whole their plan was, I want you to to turn these kids and their mom, so we can have a complete f- vampire family or whatever.
1: Well, I think that was Max's the 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 head vampire's plan. Yes, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. yes,
3: Max's plan, right? And then Kiefer and him were like the closest because Kiefer was like his and, and Max, the head vampire. He's he owns a store, right? Like he is customer service focused driven, you know. Yes, and all of his employees, these Lost Boys. They do not even talk to Michael about the benefits much about being a vampire. They really just fuck with him. They tell him nothing. They're just like, drink this. Yeah, they like they fuck with him for like 45 minutes and then pretty much just bully him. And really, there's no customer service there of like why you should become a vampire. And that doesn't make sense because he's a a successful small business owner he is. And like he knows that that's a focus You know I, I just don't understand why he didn't They need to work on their salesmanship But Star was actually
1: supposed to kill Michael and eat him that night That's the reason they were just yes. fucking with him when he first Got to their hideout right yes. And then they <laughs> they just Continued to fuck with him as they yeah. like
4: Turn him into a vampire I know you're not Wrong Mike <laughs> Well and that's where it kind of falls apart because if they had killed Michael Then Max's plan wouldn't have worked so I don't know if they just told star that she had to like bite him and knew she wouldn't do it or something like that or what? Cause they needed him alive. Oh,
1: I don't. Okay. So I don't think Michael was targeted because he was the son of the woman Max wanted to, to date because they hadn't met yet oh, I think it okay. was just because he was the only one that wasn't a vampire in that crowd because all the vampires were looking at the guy on stage and star was out there dancing to see who was looking at her because whoever was looking at her was not glamored by the dude on stage I don't know
3: the whole crowd is not vampires well I mean that that's probably true yeah my theory is they picked him randomly but because he drank the blood, they took that to Max, and then Max developed that plan of, like, well, I love this family thing. Let's bring them all in. Don't kill him. Make him one of you. Then we'll turn his brother, and I'll turn the mom, and then we'll have a whole family and, and a couple of properties and stuff. But, again, customer service. Like, the implementation, the change management of this small business, <laughs> not not good.
4: Yeah. No, you're right.
3: There's no synergy here between the management and the f- middle management. Can you guys tell that Mikey just got moved up to like a director
1: level type <laughs> position <laughs> at, uh, at you know, at his day job maybe?
3: <laughs> like they're like just hang off this bridge. It's fun. Like, that's their sales pitch? Like I
1: mean, but that they are supposed to be, like, 23 or, like, 21. You know, like, that is some shit that I
4: would have done at, as, as an immortal 21-year-old. Yeah. like Or
3: 200. You, I mean, like. Mikey's yeah.
4: expecting them to sit down and be like, yeah, so for your performance review, you've received a <laughs> meets expectations.
3: This is your total compensation package if you sign on with us as a vampire. Uh, 68 bloods a year. <laughs> that's more than one a day. Eternal life. He doesn't tell him he lives forever until his nasty feet that look like Todd's are hay- holding him up against the wall. I
1: knew that was gonna come up. I even wrote in my, my in my notes on the side
3: I wrote, oh, insert Todd foot joke here. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? That's what that's what the 1% get, Max. He lives in a nice house. He's got a guard dog. He makes all of his people live in a cave down by the beach. His guard dog's a hellhound. Makes all of his people live in a cave. That is like you are not, you know, that's too much stratification.
1: Mikey, I already love this movie. How dare you make me love it more by tying in how capitalism
3: fucks the cave dwellers. I agree. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, that's in my outline, but this is just something I've thought of off the top of my head.
1: <laughs> well, please keep that coming. I love the end of this movie. No notes to the last line of the scene, but How much of a mind fuck would it have been if because they established the second drawer in the fridge or the second like shelf in the fridge is the granddad's. And he even has like a cover for it. So you can't see what's there until he holds it up. Oh, if it was blood, if it was those bottles of blood and he started drinking one, I would have lost my mind. Like that would have been cool as shit. That would have been cool. Yeah. Yeah. But I love the last line of this movie The you know what I don't love about Santa Clara or whatever, wherever they are all the fucking vampires or whatever i was like hell yeah granddad
4: i i love Chekhov's giant steak that that's a big fun thing for me <laughs> that he sets it like halfway through the movie i also really like how like when
1: max does get impaled and thrown into the fireplace like it blows up like the fucking uh, nuke scene from oppenheimer like it's crazy yeah in that house and it's still standing at the end of it like they don't make rickety cabins like they used to, I guess. It's all the formaldehyde. that just <laughs> preserved it. Oh, man. But maybe, uh, Mikey... Do you want to just take us through this outline you wrote scene by scene?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys ready to get into this? I legit
2: was there for
1: the discussion for this and forgot and I'm so excited. That's the pro of
3: ADHD.
4: (laughs) I did fun facts, though, so we do have fun facts at least. Thank you, Paige. That's perfect.
3: You're welcome. All right. We open up on a carousel. And these like punk ass kids are walking around and not oh doing, my God. they're not strapped in. It's a liability issue. These kids can be killed <laughs> on the carousel. Do you mean the kids on the horses? No, I'm talking about the Lost Boys, man. They're walking around there. You're not. You, you got to pick a horse and stay on it. Yeah, you're right. They're walking through the horses. Yeah.
4: Fun fact about that carousel. It is an old timey carousel where you can still grab brass rings Hell yeah. and toss them really? into. Yes. So you can kind of move around the carousel a little bit. But, yeah, you can grab brass rings and then throw them into, like, a mouth of a thing. So, there you go. I've ridden that carousel many times. You've ridden that carousel? Yeah, of course. I didn't realize it was still there. That's cool as shit. All of it's still there. I'm not kidding. It looks like this movie. You could basically just walk through Lost Boys. Paige, let's go. Yeah, whenever. Let's go. I want to go. I want to go ride the carousel and throw a ring in something's mouth. That sounds awesome. Yeah, sure. It's not... I, it's mostly closed for winter at this point But like Well I
1: mean I don't, we, we don't have to go today Paige I don't
4: I, Yeah 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 We're about to get
1: snowed in for winter Here in Nashville I can't leave anyway But in the summer God help you if they have funnel cakes I'll be there so fast
4: Oh of course They have funnel cakes with like so many different flavors And I wasn't kidding about the garlic fries They're fucking amazing uh, they also tons of dip and dot Paige stop selling I'm buying Let's do this we gotta do a live show In, in
1: San Francisco or wherever this fucking Place is
4: Is it, it just do Bay Area Santa Cruz is a little it's it's further Out but it's drivable so if We did a show in like San Francisco or Oakland Like we could then still go to Santa Cruz if you want Hell yeah let's do it but I'll burn a fun Fact burn it baby because it's the Boardwalk and it's so obviously the boardwalk And it's like Santa Cruz like they Named it Santa Carla or whatever yeah every Year they do summer movies uh, where they set up like a big movie screen on the beach Because it's like a true boardwalk and Real then...
1: place like that here Obviously it's not the beach It's one of our nicer parks But yeah we do that too I, I love it
4: Yeah and then it's just like beach And they do And people can bring outdoor furniture and whatever to watch After Sunset, and because this movie is so prominently featuring Santa Cruz, they show it every year. Of course. So, like, every year, it's one of the movies they screen for the summer. Awesome.
1: yeah. Uh, Mikey, back to you for the outline.
3: Oh, yes. Uh Well, anyway, (laughs) I guess people do walk around, because the guard... Instead of stopping the ride, the guard just hops up on there. It's like, get out. I told you kids to stay out. And then it cuts to him walking to his car later that night.
1: Yeah, he, I think he's driving a GMC mistress because he's trying to fuck that door instead of opening it. Did you guys see that? He
3: was he was struggling. He was not good at opening car doors. So, yeah. yeah
1: I do love that he is like struggling with the car door and they
3: pick him up and then it rips the car door off. Well, A camera just zooms in on him and then he disappears, (laughs) but you infer that he got picked up, you know? Right.
1: We actually do find out later what they look like in bat form when that kite lands on the porch at the grandfather's feet. I laughed out loud at that moment. I was
4: like, oh, hell yeah. I love that kite, though. It's super cute. (laughs) It
3: is. Okay, so then it cuts to a family driving to their new home in Santa Clara. Clara. Carla. Carla.
1: Santa Carla, yeah. Okay, so I talk about credits way too much. But, like, this is a time period in which credits normally sucked. Yeah. And they do a great job of it here. Yeah. Because they use the credits to establish sort of what's happening because you get a little bit of dialogue and VO from... The uh, helicopter shots establishing Santa Clara or what is it, Paige? Carla. Santa Carla. Santa Carla in the movie.
4: Santa Clara is a real place. Yeah. Not far
1: from this place. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Santa Carla in the movie is what it's called. But like. They're establishing that through the helicopter shots, and you're getting dialogue about what, like, is going on in their life a little bit. You know, they're, they're moving from Phoenix yeah. to the murder capital of the world because of a divorce
4: or whatever. Like, Well, yeah, the murder capital of the world is a real thing, though. I have it in fun facts. Ooh. Oh, really? Oh,
1: shit. Okay. But that's what the sign says. As it says, welcome to Santa Carla. It's On the back of it, it says, you know, the murder capital of the world or whatever.
3: Yes, which, which Michael notices, and then he— Ask people about that later. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the the soundtrack slaps in this whole film and in the credits. Oh, yeah. And then it's just a bunch of establishing shots of a bunch of teenagers either being on house or having fun at the boardwalk or, like, Mad Max kind of misbehavior, and then tons of missing posters.
1: I loved the missing posters. I don't think I noticed it as much the, the first time, but this time, they're
3: everywhere, and they're a bunch of different people. But also- missing people missing persons are not murder cases so it should have been missing persons capital of the world not murder capital of the world
4: well in in real life it was the murder do you want me to just burn this fun fact now yeah yeah do it do it do it okay so uh santa cruz in the 1970s did gain the reputation of being the murder capital of the world because of a series of very brutal murders by three different serial killers in the early 70s. Again, if you're super into true crime, the 70s is peak serial killers, probably because of a lot of lead in the air or any number of other things, or the fact that we just finally started tracking it. Anyway, those serial killers were John Lindley Frazier, Herbert Mullen, and Ed Kemper. So Santa Cruz had 28 murders over a 30-month period between 1970 and 1973, so that was one serial killer murder per month jesus
3: yeah that is that's a lot yeah
4: anyway there you go
3: wow that is a lot of murders thank you paige you're welcome (laughs) i keep forgetting that if there's a lull i have to talk
1: okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're uh you're the one driving the episode right now mikey (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) normally mikey is just like sitting back waiting to throw in like yeah bombs of jokes and I'm just nailing it. Yeah.
3: He's just like
1: sitting back landing threes while Paige drives the bus. Oh, now Paige gets to sit the back. Scotty
3: Pippen of this podcast. You know, I'm not the MJ but I you, know, I, you know, I'm up there. Yeah, you're crushing it. So the family arrives at their eccentric grandfather's house. Also, as my outline goes, I learned the names but it's about halfway through the movie by the time I learned the names of the characters. So, just for... Forewarning (laughs) Uh, So grandpa is really weird And he's a taxidermist Uh, He pretends to be dead when his family arrives Which I think is a horrible prank
1: Uh, That was insane to me I was like man this granddad is like Losing it I think someone needs to come in here And maybe take care of him Which is sort of what's happening Because we come to find out his daughter Who was Michael and Sam's mom Is newly divorced
3: And moving home Yeah, And then a couple of bonkers things in this film. One, he pops up and he's like, gotcha, bitch. And you're well, like,
1: what? I, this guy is mean. I know, because they're like, is he dead? Is he dead, mom? And she, yeah. she's like, no, he's just a heavy sleeper. And he goes, no, I'm playing dead. <laughs> and by the sound of it, I'm crushing it or whatever. Like,
4: Also, I'm super into taxidermy, beer, and reading the TV guide. What the
1: fuck? <laughs> if it's not those three things, it's fucking the widow down the street where he's doing taxidermy for the widow her. Johnson. And if it's not those things, he does not care about it which he displays over the whole movie like i love
3: his aloofness in the whole film i will say that every piece of dialogue is like establishing something so the mom's like i am divorced and he's like you're the only woman who's ever been divorced who didn't come out better the other side i was like that's can't be true that is a wild Statement oh
4: that's definitely not True that is a hundred percent Not
3: true I was like, Yeah I was like
4: I was like whew. But I do think that pop culturally
1: In the 80s that was definitely The perception like I do feel like this is One of those like subtle misogynist Bullshit things that you get Because of the time period it's in Because like guys were like Oh my ex-wife fucked me in the divorce Like that kind of
3: shit you know I, yeah I'm sure And the family in this scene talks a lot about murders. Uh, And then uh, (laughs) they establish that there are a lot of murders in the city like like Paige said,
1: yeah, in Santa Carla, Car-
3: Carla, right? That's what it's called. It's like the whitewashed version of Santa Clara.
1: It's gonna be so hard because Santa Clara has a drum and bugle corps called the Santa Santa Clara Vanguard, and they're awesome. And so that's stuck in my mind. I know,
3: I know.
4: I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Mikey. Well, you know, Santa Cruz, where this is actually filmed, has the Mystery Spot, and that's cool. Don't add another Santa C word that is gonna make me fuck up. I,
1: okay, Santa Carla. Like she's going to Starbucks to get a pumpkin spice latte. Okay,
3: got you. I just thought of something. It's not super relevant, but I, we need to talk about it. Well, I was dying for this. Please go. Because, like, maybe one-tenth of my personality is based on that giant jock in The Revenge of the Nerds who just yells nerds every time, every yeah, time that uh-huh. something nerdy happens. Uh-huh.
1: Mikey, that's not just one-tenth, but yes, go on.
3: Uh, But when you watch Revenge of the Nerds
1: now, he was right? He was the hero of the—yes. yes <laughs> Yeah, but you
4: mean in that he was protecting people from sexual assault?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> he is trying to make sure everyone is not getting sexually assaulted, and he's the villain in that movie. <laughs> the eighties were a wild time. Yeah,
3: I just had this epiphany where this guy with crazy hair is like, "Nurse!" Nurse! I feel like I would need to
4: rewatch that film to say whether or not he was right or just also a different kind of villain. Like a broken clock, right? He's right twice in that movie, but the rest of the time he's fucking terrible. You know, like when Nazis got us to the moon, you're like, thanks for the moon, but you're still Nazis. Like that kind of shit. Yeah.
3: Well, I don't know if he's that. Well, I mean, he... You know, he's established as like George from like, you know, my and Men, but with nerves. He's like, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I just had this epiphany that maybe he's not a bad guy. We got to I got to rewatch the film now.
4: Yeah. I don't know that you want to just declare this into a microphone before rewatching the film to continue your
3: research. No, 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 no. I feel like that's the smartest thing to do if I'm doing the outline. Yeah.
1: I would encourage the listeners to do their own research. And make their own conclusions about the Nerds franchise. What is that called?
3: Revenge of the Nerds.
1: Revenge of the Nerds franchise. I do like how Mikey is rewriting 80s movies to where he makes the most looking like him person, the hero of every one of them.
4: I mean, if you watch Revenge of the Nerds backwards, it's a rape revenge movie. <laughs> Cut this out. I mean, that's accurate. But,
2: like...
1: but now I know why Mikey loves They Live So Much. Because oh, he puts are. out some really Rowdy Roddy Piper vibes.
3: If you mix him and McCready up, that's pretty much like my like ideal protagonist. Paige's cat? Yeah, if he had more
1: fur. Yeah. <laughs> <then> <laughs> no, I know you mean McCready from The Thing. Yeah.
3: Okay, Um. <laughs> now we cut to the boardwalk for the Mad Max X saxophone concert.
1: Yes. And you know what, Mikey? I do still believe that this is one of the best scenes to ever come out of the 80s. I love it because it is just like a guy playing sax on a stage lit only by... Metal trash can's on fire.
3: Yeah. It's certainly a vibe. And he's greased up, man. It's got to be hard to hold that saxophone with that much grease. He has
4: also, like, played at the boardwalk a few times to, like, commemorate the movie. Like, this dude is here for this movie as, like, fan service later in life, which is great. <laughs> still shirtless, still greased up. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And uh, he's going hard. And it, it looks like a Mad Max. Like, Kenny G became, I think, you know, like, like, if Kenny G was the faction leader of a Mad Max, like, faction
1: oh yeah it does 100 welcome to (laughs) sax (laughs) town oh man i mean all i know is it's like this movie is so iconic that like a Slightly younger David Koresh saw this and was like, "I need to play that with my band." Oh, damn. Like, That is how iconic this scene is.
4: Yeah, his name is Tim Capello. Yes, is, is that sax player? He
1: still plays. He still tours. One of our listeners told me that he uh, was in Nashville last year and they went to that show, and I
4: was like, "Damn, I wish I could have gone." I've heard it's amazing. I uh, but he he comes back and plays Santa Cruz all the time, <laughs> which I find amazing. That's great. Good job, dude. I, That's fun. You know what's funny is. When they showed up to pr- production to shoot this
1: day, he was just doing the show, and they were like, do you mind if we film it?
3: Yeah, I mean, like, that's what it kind of looks like. I would go back to the farm place in Franklin and for a, a Santa boot camp reunion concert tour that I would get on stage <laughs> for.
4: And you're like, check the IMDb, I'm in this movie. <laughs> I don't know, he
1: might be in the IMDb for this movie at this point, who knows? Oh God, we people have got, to, we've. this has got to stop. You guys are ruining Mikey's legacy. And IMDb's factual section,
3: please. Yeah, I'm trying to get into more movies for real, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're trying to get into actual movies. It's just background characters. Just background act. Okay, uh, anyway, Michael, who also is kind of serial killer-esque because he just spots a girl he wants and ends up following her. her. I mean, who
1: has (laughs) not seen a girl from across the room and been like, she's cute, I'd like to know more? Like, I don't feel like he is, like, stalking her like he's gonna kill her, but it is shot sort of, like, He's the hunter And she's the prey
4: And the murder capital Of the world I know
1: So like She would have a
4: reason To be concerned Well but she's Flirty fishing
1: him Paige I know He should be concerned (laughs) Well it's a trick right no it's a trap but
3: like uh, so i guess uh, there's a little dichotomy here because the grandpa's house is on like a farm in the mountains or whatever a horse farm they have horses and every like city scene is in a version of the city from robocop the lawless just there's no cops on the street there's just people
4: it's just santa cruz man
3: it's it's lawless
4: they're just always on the boardwalk that like When they go to town, air quotes, they're always on the boardwalk or the immediate block around it because like that video, that comic book store used to be there. It's now moved. The video store used to be there. They walk past the coolest thing on the far end of the boardwalk, which is a mini an indoor mini golf place. That's the inside of a pirate ship. Hell yeah. So like you play through like the galley and then like a grotto. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's still there, but they, they go past that. So like whenever they're like in town air quotes, they're just on the boardwalk. So yeah, there's not really cops. There's just security guards
1: on the boardwalk out of the sun mikey's doing music jokes yeah mikey i do want to point out you just said it looks like the way robocop sees big
3: cities in the 80s it's way all big cities in the 80s are shot it's just hell fucking urban hellscapes
1: yes yes robocop was in theaters when this movie came out so like this is like quintessentially 80s
3: the 80s and 90s had so many movies that were good I just we just really met. you could go to the theater and like eight movies that you would watch later on in life would be in them at the same time. Right. Movies <laughs> today, like the top one, like the top one or two percent are pretty good, but they're also expensive. I don't know. Things are just not as good as when they were when I was not born. I don't know. Like <laughs> I know. I
1: know. I do. Actually, I, I think not to get into like a discussion about this really quick, but like I do think this happens in cycles because Westerns were a big thing. And then we got, like, grimy, like, noir stuff in the 70s because it was, like, a backlash to the Westerns. People were sick of Westerns. And I think we're on the backside of the same thing but with superhero movies. So I think we're about to fall out of that into something that's more original.
3: Well, I mean, and then the 80s and 90s was just, like, cocaine-fueled madness, which is, like, my best era of film, you know?
1: I know. I do think, and I'm going to put this on a T-shirt, but we need to get more cocaine in Hollywood. Like, I I just feel like we need more movies that are not as serious.
4: We can't right now because of fentanyl. Like, oh, true. Yeah, you're right. That's why everyone should carry Narcan. But like, yeah. Yeah. And test your drugs. Yes.
3: I never watched that show on Netflix welcome back to test
1: your Your drugs (laughs) is it
4: cocaine
3: (laughs) i was (laughs) making a (laughs) narco slash narcan (laughs) joke which is like a stretch for everyone involved but like (laughs) i went for it
4: i like that we ended up at is it cocaine (laughs) (laughs) get
3: your test strips if you're going out there harm reduction is a model you should go for it yeah everyone should go for it okay so at the same time that all this is going on mom is like walking around the boardwalk She sees a little boy outside a TV shop and sees the missing post of the guard. Wait,
1: I have to point out, the first thing she sees is a help wanted sign at a store. And then she sees a prop that she can use to make herself look like a hero to her new potential boyfriend slash boss. And she uses that child as a prop. And I thought that that was hilarious.
4: Work smarter,
3: not harder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Had they not shown us that she sees the help wanted sign. I would never have thought that. Right. Well, I think she was going to go in there either way, but she did find a kid. And then the mother comes. I do. I think so too. I think so too. And I don't really think that I'm clearly just joking. I just wish they had shown us that later or not at all.
3: Yeah. And it's a TV store slash VHS store. And then it's owned by Richie Rich's dad. (laughs) Also,
1: also, the dad from Gilmore Girls. Yes, he just passed away recently. He's so great. He
3: wasn't in the the new one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Richie Rich's dad, whose name is Max, and then I learned his name gives mom a job. <laughs> yes,
1: because she's hot and cares about children. She should be my
3: vampire mother. But this is the 80s where, like, people would just hire hot people and try to sleep with them because, like, back then people had no protections or whatever. I mean,
2: (laughs) I actually think
1: (laughs) at this point it was illegal to sexually harass, but, like, there was a point where that was a big deal in the workplace where, like, sex they had to pass laws... To make it stop
3: Or to help it stop Because it still happens But Power dynamics Was not discussed a lot You know what I'm saying Because she liked it It probably wouldn't have been Like against company policy Or whatever I
1: mean he's a small business owner If she If she's fine with it No one's gonna report it So like It is Sort of quote Fine But like only because she consents, sense. I don't know.
3: It's a gray area because she is his employee. This outline's turning weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Cut back to the concert. Michael, the older brother, stalking that girl. Because he's like, oh, <laughs> I still believe. I love that song. It's a long establishing shot of him it just is. Like following her. Well,
1: it's because he's stalking his prey or whatever, not realizing that he's actually the prey.
3: Like the raptors. Clever girl. I don't think it's prey. I think it's like, I just need to get in front of this girl because I'm a good looking dude. I think she'll be into me. I just need to like establish a conversation.
4: He is a good looking dude yeah, in this yeah, movie. Yeah. Especially once he gets the earring. Oh No, I yes. mean, I
1: understand what you're saying. I'm just saying like the way they establish it is that like the way you would see a hunter stalking their prey. Like he is following her. Yeah. Not realizing that he's actually... The prey in that situation Because she's supposed to kill him that night
3: This is all kind of intercut But like he, he follows her Is about to talk to her And then the lost boys Kiefer Sutherland is like Get your hands off my woman And they get on the motorcycle <laughs> and drive off
2: <laughs> Yeah
1: Rufio 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 oh! It is Kiefer Sutherland looking his most Rufio Yeah Which I love But I think that She was supposed to go somewhere with him alone That's why when they start talking It's really quick And he goes Do you want to grab food? And she says, yes, because he's her food. And she's about to get on the back of his motorcycle where she would be grabbing onto him. Like, I
4: want to point out how like hot that would have been on the nose. The dialogue is. Yeah. I wish that would have happened in the movie. I would have watched. I it. loved it. Yeah. But
1: anyway, that's when Keith or Su- Keith or Sutherland comes up and is like, get your damn hands off her or whatever in the scene, I mean, he really doesn't say that. He's just like, star, we're leaving. Let's go. And then he's like, hey, Michael, he doesn't know his name, but hey. Do you know where this point is? And he should have been like, no, I moved here three hours ago. Can I just follow you? But he's like, yeah, of course I know because whatever. And then they just go to that point where like Kiefer like tries to like make him drive off the cliff, I guess. That's different.
3: That That's the next scene. I know. That's where they transition out of this. That's the next night. Yeah. yeah,
4: I just had a thought because like. There's a lot of vampires for a place that's famous for its garlic fries. Well, I mean,
1: if you're invited in, you're allowed to eat it, Paige. So maybe that's the only
4: place vampires can get garlic. I mean, there's no place to be invited into. It's all like outside, but...
3: I don't think garlic works on these kind of vampires at all because it doesn't work on the guy upstairs either later it's, on.
4: It's
1: the holy water that works. You're right, Mike. Yeah. The garlic in there is just like a you know nice little added
3: to the stew. I th- also thought about this in extreme detail. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's cutting back and forth The younger brother He goes in the comic book shop Where he meets the Frog brothers Who are like There's vampires Read this comic book and he's like "Oh," And then they have like A nerd off or whatever Because he's dressed too cool To be in the comic book shop
1: Yeah I mean he is dressed Like my mother Dressed in the 80s Like shoulder padded blazer And very colorful shirt I like- dig
4: that jacket though <laughs> like- Me too
3: Paige I was here for the fashion that-, that striped duster I was like yes Now this This reminds me of my job where when I first started, there was a, a night shift nurse who was very, this is before the new Star This is when Star Wars was different. And like he was really into. <laughs> this is when Star Wars was good. Before the Mandalorian, before all that stuff came out. Sure, sure, sure. So like he thought, because I dress kind of, I don't say, you know. Hashtag basic But like you know Business professional
1: I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah I have to dress business professional Yeah I mean It's part of the day job
3: But that guy didn't like me Until he fucking quizzed me On obscure Star Wars trivia Like like about like about the Mandalorian race And all sorts of stuff Like And I knew it all I was like I, don't, I bet you don't even know Who glassed Mandalore You fucking noob <laughs> Exactly like, <laughs> but, but, And before all of it was shown In the extended media Like in, Just in the books Kind of bullshit oh, And so it. like yeah. I had to like Pass this test and then he was cool with me, but like, I, you know. I bet you don't even know how Chewbacca died, you fucking idiot. Chewbacca is still alive. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, what the fuck
4: are you talking about? In the books,
3: he's dead. Oh, in the books, a moon crashes into Chewbacca and kills him. Wait, what? Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> On another moon? Wait, huh, what? That's no moon. In the throne yeah, okay, so like... I, there is a case <laughs> to be made that the we don't need to get into it all.
4: Oh, okay, all right, all right. We've already been talking for forty-five minutes. We're like four scenes into this movie. Sorry, 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 I sorry. Know,
3: I know. Like we don't have to get deep into the books of Star Wars that I only know very little about. I'm gonna have to start keeping us in line. You
4: have to get to the grocery store so that you don't get snowed in without chili dogs. Oh,
1: that is a must when you're like nesting down.
3: I know. I know. It's my snow tradition. To make chili cheese dogs. And then like Hell yeah. play with Macy outside in the snow. And then like if it's going to be six inches or whatever, I'm going to make a snowman this year, I think, in my front yard. You're
4: going to need some lube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a
1: sexy snowman. I'm going to lay down on my back uh, and wave my arms and legs until they make a sexy angel. My, Mikey just turned his camera off. He was so <laughs> Unsubscribed.
2: He turned his <laughs> camera
3: off. Rude. <laughs>
2: oh.
3: Amazing. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's people making out in a car. The roof get ripped off. Their jaws into the air. Oh,
4: and they're just hang on, okay, hang, hang on page go she's reading a magazine yes. that's called sad sack yes it's, what, it's so funny i didn't notice that until this time I this is the first time i noticed it too i was like what
1: i could tell you had the same note because when mikey just glossed through this scene which it really is <laughs> like a nothing scene because we don't know either of those people but like when page was like no, no no i was like yes
4: yeah so we do know these people They were on the carousel And oh. Kiefer Sutherland's crew Tried to like hit on her And he got in a fight with them That's how they get thrown off the carousel That's the couple That's who it is I forgot You're right Yeah
3: Kiefer is a petty bitch So I know why Todd loves this film Why? Cause he's a petty bitch man He only targets people Who like per- like. Oh you're not gonna let me cut in line I guess I'll feed on you later Like eight two days later When I'm making out in a car
4: Reading sad sack magazine <laughs> What do we think Sad Sack Magazine is? Give me the top three listicles that would be found in a Sad Sack Magazine. Testicles dangling. Too far?
3: <laughs> seven, seven signs you have a seasonal depression disorder. That's what
4: I
1: was thinking, right? Are you sad? Do you have seasonal affective disorder? Here are the top
4: five signs. Shirt stains. Can you still go outside?
1: <laughs> like, yeah. Top three reasons it's cheaper to live at your mother's basement. <laughs> Numerical
3: medicine Prozac does 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 it help?
4: Yeah, does it? I don't know. Actually, at this
3: point it was probably lithium.
4: How many cats is too many cats? (laughs) Six.
3: uh, More than two per person.
4: Wait, do you have six cats now? No, I have five. You said how many cats is too many cats?
3: Yeah.
1: Oh,
4: you're you're safe. Okay, so you're I safe. I love
1: I would never get rid of one of mine.
4: I miss mine. I've I have 2 and they're very good boys. Yeah, they're great. Anyway. Mikey,
1: you're driving the outline, so like you're the one that has to refocus back into the episode.
3: Focus up, bitches.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Focus up.
3: You guys are you guys are off the chain. Okay. I also
1: want to point out that it just hit me that um page's testicle joke was the sack part of the sad sack uh, yeah exactly uh, thank yeah, you that, that shit was way funnier than i gave you credit for in my laugh in the moment page it's all good it's and all good. i needed
3: to, i needed to apologize so so it it cuts back to michael and then who you know that's a really common name in the 80s one of the best names to come out of the 80s um, <laughs>
4: great name
3: beautiful name one of the best names that's why they call you Mikey, michael (laughs) and then uh keith is like don't go to dinner with michael i I don't remember their dialogue but he's like follow me on our bikes if you keep up and i was like well that's really dumb i wouldn't do that and then but then they did and this is why women live longer than men because this whole situation here where they like ride towards a cliff and see who's gonna jump off last
1: i okay i got the impression that michael did not know they were headed for a cliff And Kiefer was trying to, like, glamour him over it.
4: No, I think Kiefer Kiefer was trying to see how close will he get to that edge. They were just doing chicken on the
1: edge of a cliff. Like, that is so dumb. I was like,
4: clearly Michael doesn't realize what's happening. Like, that's how dumb that is. Because Kiefer says all the time, he's like, how far will you go, Michael? And I was like... How far will you go? I'd watch both of you. What's up? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, there's definitely a reading of this movie where they're like into each other on some level.
4: Yeah, it's a Joel Schumacher movie. Yeah. You put nips on Batman. That's one of the reasons I
3: love this movie. Yeah. For, for corporate recruitment, like and you're an immortal vampire, I wouldn't want this much of a risk taker. I, I want I don't want somebody to put our coven in danger. You want someone who's smart and critically thinks, not runs their motorcycle as close to a cliff as possible. These, You know, this is a bonkers way to recruit people into a vampire coven. But
1: what you don't realize is anybody can start a small business, bro. Like, you're talking, like, <laughs> board-level decisions from a guy who just owns, like— A ripoff tower records
3: at the time
1: yeah (laughs) he's making terrible employment decisions when it comes to
3: his family yeah so they almost drive off okay so then he's like oh you got so (laughs) close to that cliff you're so cool you want to come back to our vampire cave and so
1: that is not what they say to him because he definitely would have said no to that but it does just like cut from the cliff to the cave more or less to them arriving. Yeah.
3: Well, you got to put this together in your headcanon.
1: Oh, y- yes. <laughs> Welcome back to Headcanon, the Mikey Randolph <laughs> outline <laughs> podcast where he takes us through movies. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So it cuts back to Sam going to bed and Grandfather tries to bring him some beaver. and.
4: Uh, <laughs> hey, everyone likes a little bit of beaver before bed.
3: Facts. And then he's talking something about his... You know, like his dad was in the closet. Oh, wait, there's a closet monster. I don't know something about that. There's also, there's a poster in the closet. Oh, yeah. Reform school girls. I saw it.
4: (laughs) Uh, I've seen, I have seen reform school girls. I didn't notice that. That's so funny, Mikey. Uh, Let's talk about reform school girls for a second. Okay. Uh, It's an exploitation film about uh, a bunch of girls that get sent to a reform school. That is, it's basically a soft core where it's just a bunch of like, Ladies running around scantily clad, doing crimes. This sounds like the kind of movie my friend Jason's dad
1: would rent, not realizing that when he paid for it, the whole house could watch it because we would wa- that that was like my first experience with like adult material. Oh wow, that's uh, we were like we were literally just flipping through the channels and like one of the ones that was normally static was like
3: clear as day. We were like, "Oh, someone paid for this upstairs." So, I first watched Reformed School Girls because I read an article about it in my In Sad Sack magazine, Happy Sack magazine, <laughs> uh, a different ma- a different magazine I subscribed to.
1: Are your testicles young and taut? Sorry, um.
4: <laughs> high and tight. Okay, but that's not even the poster <laughs> I was referring to. In the closet, there is a sexy poster of Rob Lowe. I'm sorry, the actor Rob Lowe, who was like brand new at the time. Yeah, let me. Uh, not that new, but I'm gonna share my screen with you. Hang on, I gotta turn it on. Let me. If you let me, yes. Whatever you're ready. To now. Oh my God, that is a very. Sexy photo of Rob Lowe. Yep. Which
1: that
3: has to have been a real poster at the time, right? Like it has to have been.
4: Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was. Wild.
3: Well, he'll have a sex tape come out around this time as well.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that that's just one of those things where like hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. Where we're like Oh, this movie is depicted through the homoerotic male gaze. Oh, yes, it is. Yeah. And I think at the time, maybe people didn't understand that as much. And now we're like, very much. But that's just one of those little pieces where you're like, yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah.
1: Rob Lowe's first big movie was The Outsiders and that came out in 83, which I haven't seen, but yeah, he definitely was a sex symbol way before this movie came out then.
3: I'm just glad I didn't grow up in the 80s because like all dudes wore crop tops and like like really cut off jeans and like I don't have the body for that. Like, you know, like Hunted to extinction,
4: man hunted to extinction have you seen that meme where people were like bring back the dudes in crop tops and then everyone's like they were hunted to extinction in summer camp
1: (laughs) (laughs) facts though
3: facts i'll
1: get my abs back and just walk around in a a, like a, a little crop
3: yeah Cut back to the vampire cave Where these vampires Can eat real food Apparently And so they go get Takeout every night And bring it back To their fucking cave Which you know Does not sound like An appealing afterlife For me
4: Expensive You should buy groceries uh, I'm
1: 100% sure He just killed a, a delivery driver And like Stole the food Right
4: Oh so he didn't Have to tip
3: Got Or it. pay for it Paige I, I don't know That was really good package takeout Like that box Was really efficiently Packaged Like you know Like I, I think They ordered that
1: Yeah Mikey You have to wait until they put the food down in their car with the door still open
3: and then attack and
4: take and take a picture of it
3: (laughs) yeah so one they make some like off the cup like kind of racist jokes about chinese food i think uh oh
1: no i think he's just glamoring him into thinking he's eating maggots and then offering to eat worms no no he said
3: Eat this rice, a billion Chinese people can't be wrong.
1: Oh, oh, I forgot I honestly forgot about that. I thought
3: you meant just that he turns it into maggots. No, no. Then he goes into his Jedi mind tricks. Yeah. Where he's like, The rice is maggots and the peeled grapes are eyeballs and then the noodles are worms.
4: But also, okay They're not wrong. Fried rice is delicious. It is. I love fried rice.
3: Well, that was white rice.
4: I also like white rice. You know what? Me too. I have
1: not met a rice I didn't fuck with. I love rice.
3: Yeah, they aren't wrong. I mean, I love Chinese food. I am not attacking Chinese food. I'm just saying it was a weird thing to say. Three podcast hosts can't be wrong. Right? Chinese food good. You heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then they bring over a bedazzled bottle uh, for him to drink blood out of. Um, I love that they brought blood to him in a bottle
1: that looks like it came from Claire's. I was like, hell yes. That bottle looks like it's
3: going to charge you $3 to pierce your ear. They definitely do.
4: 10 for (laughs) 10. 10 for 10 bins. That's for all my Claire's girlies out there. And
3: they're like, drink this. Become one of us. And then I was like, this gang sucks. Like, I ain't joining this, like, cave gang or whatever. Like, none of this looks glamorous.
4: (laughs) I'm not here for a sangria club.
3: (laughs) Right. I don't want to hang out in a cave or live in a cave. Me either. Which is where Star, the established Star lives. She's got a bed there. And I'm like, okay, well, it's it's like a nice bed
1: for the level of everything else in that cave. Like the nicest thing they have is that bed and that Jim Morrison postal on the wall.
4: <laughs> it's a like pristine Jim Morrison poster. <laughs> Those are the nice things they have. So they established that this cave is a hotel that collapsed down into the earth during the 1906 earthquake because it was on a fault line. Yes, that that there are fault lines around. Sure. The 1906 earthquake was a big one. You would have felt it that far out however that far out was probably not enough to collapse a hotel but I'm gonna let it go for the sake of uh, the magical realism of the movie and it looks like a cool pirate lair (laughs) every wall looks like if
3: Johnny Depp was a wall and he was like put my booty on it yeah like that kind of shit no I call it the I call it the Goonies aesthetic it is it's got Goonies vibes down there you're right which makes me think that Johnny Depp is the Goonies the movie in human form
4: Whoa, I don't like that because I like Goonies But also, you're right Like that is exactly (laughs)
1: right Like if you took the style of everyone in the Goonies and mashed it into one person,
4: it would be Johnny Depp currently. If you got up every day and dressed like you were a pirate going to a business meeting, that's Johnny Depp. And it is
3: also Goonies aesthetic. He's like the Fratellis and One-Eyed Willie mixed together with the kids.
1: Yes. yeah. This whole scene makes me laugh because it is just like Kiefer Sutherland and everyone around him. And it's primarily lit with like candles and one Huge fucking spotlight. yeah, like that is brighter than the sun would have been if it was like shining through a top in the hole of the cave. Like it's so bright on him that, like he has bad like shadows under his eyes. yeah, it's aggressively, quote, stage lit in a way that makes me feel like whoever was shooting the scene was like, what if it, we shot it like it was on Broadway? And I was like, love it. love this shit. No notes. I know. I love it. Every time Keith Sutherland's in a scene where he's not doing action, he is shot like he's fucking Henry VIII in every Shakespeare thing he's in. Like, it's nuts.
4: You keep saying Keither and it's making me say Keither. It is Kiefer. Is it Kiefer? It's
3: Kiefer. Kiefer. It's
4: Kiefer. Kiefer. Kiefer with an F. <laughs>
3: Kiefer. Kiefer. Okay, so they're like, now that you're drunk, ride your bikes with us. And so they go to a creepy <laughs> train bridge. They get off.
4: <laughs> it was the 80s, man.
3: Yeah. And they, like, jump down to hang on the bottom. And then uh, as a train comes over, they try to hang on. Bill Theodore Esquire, he jumps off first. <laughs> that is true.
2: Aww. He
4: does. Yeah, he lets go. Yeah. He's also the first to die later. R.I.P. Bill. Or does he
1: just give it all up and start wild stallions? Who knows?
3: Yeah. They all let go. Michael hangs up, and they're, like, goading him to jump off to his, like, if your friends would jump off a bridge and they're not even friends, would you do it like and he <laughs> he ends up falling off the bridge and then falls into his bed in a nice little piece of movie magic.
1: It does show that he like is trying to hold on like he is not trying to like let go or anything.
4: And the train rattles him loose kind of. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like he does try and like go back the other way. I think symbolically speaking that's important. Because he is not fully accepting the call to become a vampire if that's what they're setting up
3: in the scene. In my notes here, I do establish that Michael cannot do one pull-up, <laughs> which is weird for that body, you know, because he looks really in shape.
4: Oh, he looks amazing <laughs> in this movie, yeah.
1: Oh, and I do think he definitely could do many pull-ups. It was just the fact that he was holding on for so long while the train went over, so his arms got fatigued, and then he couldn't pull himself up after he was fatigued, but... Just
3: vanity muscles.
1: I do think that the, the vampires left at this moment to go feed, and he did not join them. No, they they, they had to catch him because he falls. I know, but he they went to go feed after this, and he went home is the way it reads because he wakes up back in his bed, yeah. and he's still a half vampire, you know? Oh,
3: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so then cuts to the next day. Mom calls. She's like, hey, my boss is trying to fuck me. I need you guys to babysit each other.
1: <laughs> I love that the call was like, hey, my boss is trying to fuck me. Come help me get out of here it was hey my boss is trying to fuck me so
3: i'll be home late (laughs) right and then it calls like a flashback it's like michael can you babysit and that that phrase is very triggering for me i feel that
4: is that
1: because of um anything specifically that happened in your life mikey or
3: i babysat a lot growing up because i was the oldest
1: right any particular reason you were having to babysit a bunch or nope all right, we're, Mikey's number is going to stay on one today. Apparently,
3: <laughs> 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 my parents divorced and vampires tried to eat us.
2: Turn it back to zero,
3: baby. <laughs> okay, uh, so Grandpa leaves <laughs> to go uh, deliver a widow stuffed dog to her. I think that's
1: what it was. I think that's what it was, but the intended... It just, it's just—it's made clear that the granddad was actually going there to stuff the widow, Johnson. Yes. Not bring her her stuffed dog. But listen, one act of kindness can sometimes yield another, and that's why he's going over there. There you go. They're both widows. Like, I was here for it. Like,
3: good for you, granddad. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Uh, and then it establishes that Michael is really mean as a half-vampire by, like, wearing black and wearing sunglasses. <laughs>
1: I do like he is just becoming more like Fur's character after this night. He becomes like slowly more and more an aloof dick, and I loved it.
3: And he got an earring.
1: Of course. I mean, he is now a member. All the things that make people bad.
4: It looks hot. It looks really hot. <laughs> it actually is
1: kind of a cool, sort of masculine-ish earring.
4: Yeah, I dig it. I was here for it. but it, it. But it also, he looks very much like George Michael this entire I know. movie. Well, I guess it would be nice. If I could bite your body
1: and feed on anybody, that looks delish.
3: So, (laughs) then all the Lost Boys show up to their house and point their motorcycles at them. But when they open the door, the Lost Boys carry their bikes up into the air and run off, which is like a really... A lot of labor for a prank there on on Michael.
1: Yeah, but I do think it's a great prank because if like your be- your house is like being circled by motorcycles and you hear that and then you run outside and nothing's there, that's super scary. I smell bad. <laughs> I love when Mikey just does not like aggressively tunes out whenever he
3: stops talking. I love that about Mikey. <laughs> no, I got a whiff of myself and it was like. <laughs>
4: I did the same in this sweatshirt because I've worn it for like the last three recordings because it's cold and it smells like my lotion. And I was like, ooh, nice. So I had the opposite situation earlier. I just didn't say anything about it.
1: <laughs> and there you hear the fundamental difference between the men and the
3: women on this podcast. The women smell great. The men smell terrible. Uh, well, I should take a bath like Sam does with his dog, and it's kind of <laughs> weird, and uh, and that's fine.
1: He doesn't take a bath with his dog. His dog is in there in the bathroom, and if you also have a dog that has, like, severe separation anxiety, because you got them during a time after COVID where you were home all the time, and they feel like they have to be with you 100% of the time, I got this.
3: Or sometimes pets take on your anxieties, which, you know, it's just some self-reflection. <laughs>
1: Oh shit that was like one of those statements That was like I hadn't thought about But was honest and it like hit me as truth Like that's terrible but like Yeah this is like a therapy level breakthrough I'm having right now but like
3: Like you (laughs) You can take treats and bells And make dogs basically do whatever you want So like I think they learn from us Some of these things I Listen
1: if you're watching me take a bath That's the treat I am not bringing extra treats into the bath for Uh, you
3: which brings me to one of my favorite (laughs) jokes from my job which is have you guys heard of pavlov and it's like it rings a bell
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: Uh You guys get because you like. I get. God, Mikey, I love your dad jokes.
4: (laughs) Jake responds to McCready when McCready does bad things, so McCready does more bad things around Jake. Uh huh. When I'm home alone, McCready just chills out.
3: (laughs) They do. They act different around certain people. Yeah. Well, Macy's better for me than anyone else in the planet, which is like a huge problem for everyone else and me.
4: Yeah.
1: stupid pets macy's the only dog i've seen move all four limbs independently of the themselves <laughs> it was insane
4: she's like a marionette it, it
1: always looks like she's slipping on ice but is very effectively moving somewhere
4: <laughs> somewhere she doesn't know where yeah <laughs> but she'll get there eventually that dog <laughs> is
3: insane so sam's in the bathtub singing really into his bath and that's fine they don't have cable
4: <laughs> they don't even have a tv
1: mikey like yeah this is what todd would have been doing if i was what is he 14 Yeah Like I would have been Singing show tunes in the bath Because I'm bored as shit It's also what Todd does now
3: Just gonna say that Just normal Red-blooded Straight male stuff Singing show tunes In the bathroom
4: You know what I'm a shower singer I'll admit it If you think I'm not Gonna get in there And be like Cry while I shampoo
1: I am so sad like like i'm definitely going to be singing along to this song
3: at some point in the shower well michael's outside sniffing and smelling him take a bath and things are getting weird
4: uh <laughs> yeah it is a little weird because he's like hungry for his brother
3: yeah. i don't know this whole
1: thing is super weird because
3: like he is going to come in and like
1: quote we think kill and devour his brother or whatever well he he does
3: he opens the door whilst at the same time fate sam ducks his head because you've got to wash your hair in the bath. And then the his dog <laughs> fucking attacks his brother out the door, and the door slams. Yeah. And bites Michael in the hand, like, real bad. Yeah. And so they go downstairs, and they see his reflection in the mirror, and he's, like, uh, back to the future and fading out. And he's like, you're a vampire, I'm going to tell mom. It was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dog's name I want to point out is Nanook, or Nanook, or something like that. Nanook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a super cute, looks like a husky-ish dog, right? Super cute. I We didn't really get, like, a hellhound versus normal dog like showdown between nanook and max's dog but they were both super cute
3: yeah that would have been fun yeah, yeah. so then they call the comic book the the frog boys the <laughs> frog brothers
1: <laughs> the frog brothers i like the frog boys so like the uh seals like the navy seals used to be called the frog men and i think that's where they got the name for the frog brothers because they are essentially i think the only two like 15 year old entrepreneurial slash like ghostbusters like they seem to like run this comic book shop on the boardwalk and are also vampire slayers and they're like like as a part-time job
4: i think my favorite is their parents in the background of every scene in the comic book stop just like stoned out of their mind not even moving is that their parents that's their parents i didn't realize
1: that i thought they were just like vagrants (laughs) vagrants
4: <laughs> i had no idea they even
1: had parents <laughs> yeah i thought they were two unhoused boys that lived at the shop they started on the boardwalk for comic books
4: no no those are their parents and you know because Corey Haim at one point just says like look you guys just run a comic book shop for your parents and then it like the camera swings over to them and swings back
3: yeah oh my god yeah you're right uh, but it, when they tell him to kill his brother and stake him in the heart and he's like, that's not a good. Issue.
4: And then they're like, uh, well,
1: if you can't handle it, we'll come and do it. But like for a fee, I do love that these brothers not only run their parents c- comic book shop, but they also print their own comic that is more or less an instruction manual on the vampires in the area and how to kill them, I guess. Yes. And when they show up at the end. One of them is wearing a shirt with their, like, Vampire Slayer logo on it. Yes. And I'm like... They both have it. They... Oh, yeah, I I think you can't see Corey's because of what he's wearing. But, like, they have, like, Vampire Slayer, like, Ghostbuster-level branding. It's just not, like, shown in this movie and featured like the Ghostbusters logo is. But, like, I want that logo. Like, I want to put that on shit. Like, that's cool.
4: It's very
3: fun. Awesome.
1: Back to you, Mikey-Doo. Okay,
3: so... <laughs> Michael wakes up stuck to the ceiling
1: Because he's flying He doesn't know why But like Tinkerbell just like Sprinkled some dust on him And like He's thinking some happy thoughts While he's sleeping You know what I'm saying So he's like against the ceiling I
3: I tried to make puns with Wet dream Or you know Boner With flying And I couldn't figure it out So like I haven't workshopped it enough But he like he wakes up sweaty on the ceiling He's crawling on the ceiling. And then he, somebody's he's like, I'm going to go out the window for some reason. Because he's a
4: boner 747.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking a jet dream, Paige. I was I was like trying to get from flying. Oh, jet dream is yeah, great, too. Yeah, I too. was trying to get there from wet to jet. Yeah, okay. That,
3: there you go. That's a good one. Appreciate you guys. I
1: love that when Mikey like asked the question of, here are the, the, the elements of the joke that I want. Paganized brain just like yeah. went <laughs> at it. Like we couldn't stop until we got to a joke
4: that's so telling about our toxic traits. Oh, it should be a boning 747. <laughs> <but> yeah. So, <laughs>
3: he's, so ooh, um, so Michael flies out the window and then and then Sam calls mom and thinks says that Michael's coming to murder him and Michael gets on the phone outside the window because he's holding on to the house by the phone
1: that's what's holding him from floating away because he doesn't know how to fly he's like Jerry with one shoe yes if you get the uh the Rick and Morty reference right like he is yeah. he doesn't have his support boulder so he's like gonna he's like holding anything to anchor him to the house yeah and right now he's like Get off the phone with
3: mom I'm not trying to kill you you stupid <laughs> Look at me way up high Suddenly here am I I'm, I'm flying.
2: flying
3: Hell yeah Peter Pan But it's fun Because it's the it's the same conversation We've had with our parents all, all siblings have had With their parents About he's trying to kill me Come home Oh yeah And they're like He's not trying to kill you just go eat a hot pocket shut up
2: (laughs) but this is the
1: first time that sam has made this call clearly not the 80th time that mikey made it or whatever Uh, because she actually does listen and doesn't tell him to eat a hot pocket she runs home out of her date she was she was going on a date with max
3: she was on a date but she does a not cool move it doesn't even communicate that she's leaving the date just leaves him in there i
1: know that was really shitty Well, I mean, she should have gone back and been like, hey, Max, I have an emergency at home. I'm so sorry. Can we reschedule or whatever? But yeah, she like leaves them high and dry. But this is what I think sets up the plausible deniability for the mother's character to not understand what's happening because in her eyes it looks like her son Sam is trying to ruin her arguably way too soon new relationship.
4: Yeah, with her boss. Right. Yay.
1: There's a lot of red flags. Like how long ago did she separate from her ex-husband? No, they're di- they're fully
2: divorced.
4: Okay, okay. They're fully divorced. That's not a part I'm worried about. Right. I'm worried about the workplace dynamic. No, me too. Like there's many reasons why it's not great. Yes. But th- this is
1: that like building of that plausible deni- deniability for his mom.
3: Anyway, Michael apologizes through the window and gets Sam to open and he's like, I don't want to be evil or whatever, and then they, they, like, make up. Mom comes home, and then he's like, oh, I saw a comic book scared me, and she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And then uh, Michael sneaks off with his motorcycle because he doesn't sleep anymore, and then he sleeps with his mom while wearing garlic.
4: Sleeps next to his mom. Yes, please, oh, let's yes, clarify that. Mom. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so this whole <laughs> little
1: montage right here is allegorically speaking Michael like coming out as other to his brother yeah and his brother like initially rejecting that because it's scary and weird or whatever but then his brother coming around and like okay I understand this is who you currently are and uh, I still love you and I feel like that is one of the key
3: themes of this movie I I think that metaphor would work better if star did not exist well okay sure basically this guy Michael's only motivation in this whole film is chasing Poon.
1: I mean, you're right. I agree. I think the. Figuratively
3: and literally. Every decision he makes, he abandons his family to chase a piece of ass. When they go to the vampire cave later on, he's worried about his brother dying until he sees Star and then takes her out to the car and falls asleep. I mean, I'm definitely
1: not going to argue with you because I think you're right. <laughs> but, like, I, I. It's his only character trait. I also think that. A lot of times, especially in the 80s, people had to, like, shoehorn in, like, a heteronormative relationship to cloud, like, the actual analogy that was coming through in this in these movies. But, I, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I hear
3: what you're saying. I think... Nightmare on Elm Street part 2 One of my favorite Nightmare on Elm Streets Does this mm-hmm, a lot better mm-hmm, Like you know Cause mm-hmm. he You know it, it, There's a lot more clarity On that metaphor
1: I think Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Is my favorite Because of that Like I really enjoy that movie Yeah But this is in the time period Of Top Gun Like this is two years After Top Gun And Top Gun is The same way Playing
4: Playing with the ball. I know It's
1: very like <laughs> Shot from Like a homosexual Like male gazy vibe But there is like A r- romantic subplot Like Tossed in very like haphazardly. It's very similar.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, much like when we talked about Jennifer's body, where the studio was like, "Get rid of all the gay shit." And yes, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I feel like you wouldn't even get that far at this time. They'd be like, "You can't have any of this in movies." And Joel Schumacher has been out for a long time, and and openly so, and and has made movies from that perspective. And so I think maybe at this point he wasn't fully allowed to express himself in his art that way. Yeah. But I feel like it still bleeds through into this movie. And I feel like you could absolutely read this movie as an analog for becoming an other. And that could be your stand-in as a like journey of self-discovery story. Yeah. I, I think it's a little veiled in this movie because they probably felt like they had to yeah but i think you could absolutely read this movie from a gay lens and be accurate yeah personally or if you just want to call michael
1: bisexual because he does he's into star like he has sex with star but there is like some chemistry between him and Kiefer.
3: yes there's a strong attraction there yeah i I would say he's a bye bisexual because Every decision he makes is to leave everyone and chase after Star. <laughs>
2: he's a good bisexual.
3: Yeah, he's a good bisexual.
1: That is like, that's Mikey, like that's Mikey to a T. He's like, oh, we've had sexual goodbye. No, he's. I
4: mean, <laughs> look, I won't stand for the bi erasure. He and Kiefer for me making eyes for sure.
3: Like literally, there's other girls in Santa, Santa, whatever we are. Carla, Santa Carla. He, I mean, okay, we'll get to it because it cuts to Richie Rich walk by the ocean, bite kite, falls in him, foreshadowing.
1: Because he is like, I, I love that he is the red herring that actually is the bad guy. Like that's such a cool element to this movie. Because that's so rare in cinema. It's so great.
4: I do like that. That is that is a fun flip. Yeah.
3: This is Mikey from Horror Virgin. I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can
1: you show us what you practiced?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
3: Where did Michael go to when he snuck out of the house? Oh, he's back at the vampire cave looking for star. He wakes her up. (laughs) He's like, give me all these answers, which she does fucking know. And instead she goes, no, let's just have nasty shack sex. Like Todd had that one time.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) first off it was a nasty shack i've never disputed that secondly this is a cave and they have like the nicest bed i've ever seen in a cave and the nicest jim morrison poster i've ever seen hung up on the wall in a cave and then it's just like literal (laughs) rusted out bikes and other bed frames that are rusted out like it's like a shithole and they have those two nice things i thought that was hilarious but also mikey if you were like hey Very attractive woman I'm interested in. I have eight questions for you. And she was like, let's just have sex first. You would definitely have sex with her. No, I would want (laughs) the questions answered. I just flew out of the house. I mean, I would say in this context, you're probably right, because you did just fly literally out of the house.
3: And he's like, what do you know? I am only here to get answers. And she's like, there's only one answer for you, Michael. And he's like, what? He's like, she's like vagina. And he's like, you know what? Maybe I did almost kill my brother. Who cares? This it's his only defining characteristic as a character is that no matter what the choice is, he's choosing to try to have sex with Star. That is the only characteristic his character has.
4: But I think he's also intrigued by Kiefer Sutherland and seems to follow him when he maybe like has no other reason to, right? Like Kiefer would be a romantic rival as far as star goes. So he shouldn't want to be in or around that crew at all. And yet he actively participates, which to me suggests some sort of attraction on that level. Or
3: Michael is like a T-Rex and just follows movement or whatever, because literally (laughs) he has no agency in this film at all. That's fair, that's fair. His little brother is literally like shaking him. is like, what the fuck are you doing? All film. I do
1: think if this movie came out today, like if, if they were able to make it with today's sensibilities, it would like star wouldn't be in it. It would just be like a call me by your name style, like vampire tale between Michael and Kiefer's character. And I'd be here for that.
4: Don't hate that. That's a little bit like interview with a vampire too. like a little bit. I I think you could still have star in it, but you would definitely have a scene where Kiefer and uh and Michael make out. Oh, yeah. And but At least. but in a like almost mesmerizing way of like, is this what I want? I am confused. Yeah. And I honestly... That would be awesome. I'd take that in this version, too. Hell, yeah. I mean, that would be a different movie. It would not be Lost
1: Boys. My point is, like, they shouldn't no. remake it and make it as that movie. Right. I'm just saying, if you could do a vampire tale with today's sensibilities and try and tell, I think, the allegory they're trying to tell, which I think is his family's acceptance of his otherness. Yeah. Th- that It would be more
3: of a call me by your name type vibe. That's what I meant. Michael is the most one-dimensional character in the film. So I mean, I'm like, and like, you know, they could have easily got there. I
1: mean, at least Star has like Laddie, who she's like looking out for, although their relationship isn't really established. Yes, she has other motivations, Mikey. I'm shocked you're not super into Star
3: because she essentially is a single mom. I'm not not into her, but I wouldn't like (laughs) if I flew out of bed, I wouldn't just be like, no, I, I don't need answers. Let's just have sex.
1: I mean, I understand what you're saying in the context. I'd want answers too. You're right, but I'm older now. Yeah, you're. We're older now yeah you're making director level decisions clearly so like you have higher
3: executive level functioning we, we'll get we'll get there how i different like the whole hunting down the vampires was why okay so michael comes home <laughs> the next morning they're all like look at my son got laid and mom tries to talk to him parents don't understand
1: <laughs> i love when mikey doesn't outline like we just yada yada three scenes that sort of need to be yada yada
3: our podcast is long it's fine uh, mom goes to apologize to Richie Rich's dad uh, With wine for leading on the date She brings along Sam Thorne runs out of the house Almost murders mom She drives over He's like cujoing all over her And then he's like Oh shit he's a hellhound
1: It is really cujoing type vibes And I do love how like when she pulls up to Max's house, she's like, hey, I was going to leave this for Max to apologize for running out on the date, which is sweet that she's doing that. And he is like in the page of the Frog Brothers comic that talks about hellhounds. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I hope this information isn't immediately relevant. Yeah. And then she walks. He like looks over and she's running back towards the gate trying to jump over it because his hellhound is currently chasing her. It's like yes. so funny to me. Hot
3: take with this scene, though. OK. Is that on a legal standpoint, oh, yes. he has clearly yes signage that says this dog is a guard dog and will attack visitors on site. And mom ignores that and should have just left the wine at the gate with the note, But she goes in where this dog is trained to attack anyone who comes onto the property. I don't blame the dog. It doesn't have to be a hellhound. Sure. And I get it. I get it. Because she ignored the signage. And he's not liable for that. I don't think.
1: No, I mean, they do actually explain her entering the property like that. Um, Through dialogue She says Hey I don't want to leave it out here Someone's going to steal it Because it's like It's not just a card Like it's wine Right So she tries to walk it To put it by the door And then leave And that's when the dog Jumps after her
3: But you could have put it On the other side of the gate
1: I know And that's what she should have done Yes That's a real mom Kind of decision making process Right there
3: (laughs) That's back when like
1: Okay That's back when like People would go door to door More often Like I, I will occasionally get neighbors packages delivered to my front door. And because we're on like the same sort of Facebook group, I always message them before I go to their door to drop it off. I'm like, Hey, here's why you saw me on your ring camera. You know, like yeah. this d- package was delivered to my place. I'm going over here. Like it's so rare to go to someone's house now
3: unannounced. So uh, it cuts back to the comic book shop. We're we going to do an expedition dump where the, the frog brothers are telling him, well the, if the head if, well, they're having a discussion and in dialogue it comes up. If you kill the head vampire, everyone returns to normal.
1: Yes, which is a thing in vampire in some vampire lores, right? Yeah. Paige? Like that's a thing. Or a werewolf lore mainly, I think.
3: Yeah,
4: it's more werewolf
1: lore. They're brothers way back, right? No. no. What? I no, that's that comes from I think my miss. Understanding what's going on in Underworld Because I haven't seen it I've only seen like trailers of it Oh Rise of the Lycans Yeah are, aren't they cut from like a common ansa- I haven't seen the movies I don't
3: know I don't know also there's eight of them So probably I don't know <laughs> <laughs> Anyway I'm sure we'll get to them eventually
4: Eventually but I need to do Blade first I want more Blade Me before too. we get to
3: Underworld Hell yeah um, they, they think Max is the head vampire Because of the Hellhound situation So they're going to check out Max Which they are Right They are correct And I love that I do like that too So it cuts to mom Who's cooking dinner for Max To make up for the date She showed up Yes Max shows up Michael invites him inside And you know my Michael looks hungover All the time And uh, <laughs> He does Sam invited the Frog brothers To join him on dinner I do think it was Very like Inappropriate for him to be like Hey mom I invited
1: my two friends for dinner While you're setting the table Like that's information yeah, She yeah, needed yeah. three
3: or four hours ago That's a real 14 year old move But spaghetti, spaghetti You know It is
1: Like I did this shit to my mom too Cause I You know Kids don't think about that kind of stuff
3: Also Let's talk about mom Choosing spaghetti Because that's like Real low hanging fruit When it comes to Cooking dinner for somebody You know Wow
1: and Wow I'm just, she... Mikey's got notes On what the
3: single mother Prepared for her boss to come eat at her house She's ghosted one day Makes spaghetti the next day <laughs> What does this vampire see in her? I mean have we talked about this? There's a reason Mikey's single
4: Ladies But also spaghetti typically already has Garlic in it so
3: <laughs> I also love spaghetti I would be here for that spaghetti- Spaghetti's my least favorite Pasta.
4: That's fair it's my least favorite Pasta as well. It's probably one of My least favorite pastas
1: too I love any pasta filled with cheese yeah and then it's all other pastas under that so like
3: that's how i fuck with pasta i think we had spaghetti my mom made spaghetti too much as a single mom growing up and i just hate spaghetti now too much too as well i
1: think that's for me too mikey
4: every once in a while i get a craving though like because sometimes i'll go home and i'll be at my parents house and my mom is like i'm just gonna throw some spaghetti or something together and it fucking hits the fucking spot. So I don't know. I got
3: you. I mean, sometimes ma's spaghetti make your knees weak, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about how Max the vampire is so dumb that he thinks that garlic looks like Parmesan.
1: Right? I mean, even if it's finely chopped, they look different. Like, garlic looks wet yes like moist it's a different color too they, they look very different max you idiot but maybe <laughs> it's just been so long since he's had some of those garlic fries yeah that he can't remember
3: but the garlic has no effect on uh old maxi mac no
1: because he sort of forced michael to invite him in
3: yeah So then they throw holy water on him, and he's like, oh, it's really cold.
1: Yeah, I did love this scene because they are going through, like, their Ghostbusters vampire detection, like, notebook
3: of all the things to,
1: like, detect a vampire. Yes.
3: They show him his reflection, but he sees his reflection.
1: Yeah, does he have a reflection? Can he eat garlic? Can he handle holy water? And he can but only because Michael invited him, him in.
3: And Max has a really nice talk about how I'm not trying to replace your dad. I know. And I'm really, like, just, yeah. I like, really like your mom and stuff. I just want to be your friend, but
4: also make you a vampire. Yeah.
3: He's a better salesperson than Kiefer. I,
4: he very
1: much is, yeah. Because essentially he's just like, hey, man, I'm not trying to replace your dad. I'm just trying to pay your mom minimum wage to be my bang maid. She pays him
3: 6.25 dicks per hour. It's just a dick <laughs> per hour. Oh, God. <laughs>
4: federal minimum dick yeah but not first of all it's 7.25 but also <laughs> at the 80s it would have been it would have been way lower it would have been like 2.65 done i can do that
1: can i just say this really quick the minimum wage in um 1987 when this movie took place was $3.35 oh. which if you adjust for inflation though is almost it's $9 it's $8.99 today what is federal minimum wage right now
3: Seven fifty. Yeah. Okay.
4: Yeah, seven so seven fifty. Which oof so California's minimum wage is fifteen fifty, which I still think is too low. Same. But seven fifty is criminal.
3: Yeah. Okay. So we cut back to the boardwalk. Kiefer is making Michael go with him. Oh, uh, he said, you have to come with me to this bonfire thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to come with me to where they're filming that scene from Karate Kid on
3: the beach. Oh, God, yes. I, felt, I wish <laughs> we could do Karate Kid because that movie is also really fun to do.
2: Yeah.
1: Like a knight in shining armor with vampires <laughs> watching. <laughs> they all
3: get up in a tree. And, like, they, they, he, the only reason he goes is because he's like, we won't let you see Star until you go. He has one defining characteristic,
1: and that is, I have to have sex with Star again at this point. <laughs> yeah. But you know how vamps can, like, break it off real good, right, Paige? Like, you watched enough true blood to know that. Oh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
3: They all transform, they feed on the partygoers. Michael watches, uh, and then he transforms. He does watch, but does not partake. Does not. I think we do
1: see him fully vamp out, though. Like, we see him in the vamp makeup.
3: You do, you do. And Kiefer tells him some of the vampire stuff like you're where we got to feed. You can live forever, blah, blah, blah. But
1: this is the scene where he like actually start to tell him a little bit about like the perceived positives of vampirism, which is
3: like the immortality and stuff like that. He spends 0.2 seconds on that and then runs off and bites a guy's scalp off. Like the salesmanship here is not going well.
1: Yeah, he like bites into a bald dude's head, and it looks like he opened a can for like a Budweiser commercial or something because it like shoots out blood like he popped the top. Yeah, it's so funny. And then he does like peel his scalp back with his teeth or what? It's crazy gory. It's
4: yeah, it's brutal but also awesome. It's a it's a cool scene. Yeah, it is sort of cool.
3: Yeah, and they look cool as vampires. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, next scene, Star shows up to Michael's house. And then she's like, I didn't tell you before we had sex because I wanted to have sex first was that I'm a half vampire and you're not a true vampire until you get your first kill. I was supposed to kill you, but then I couldn't because you're too hot or whatever. And then I care about you. And she's like, I don't really want to be a vampire, but I'm having like the longer I go, the, I, I don't think I can resist. Please help me. Blah, blah, blah and then the next day i mean yeah Wait, do you want to talk about it?
1: it's a little more nuanced than that but yeah like if you want to sum up everything she says
3: in like 80 words yeah that's it every word these two characters <laughs> in particular say to each other is just like it has to happen this way to drive the plot there is no buttering it up it's like star must yeah, yeah, need yeah. star star am i vampire let's have sex and then she comes <laughs> back she's like you are vampire not vampire yet will you help me yes cut to next scene
1: I feel like that exactly was what Mikey heard when he was playing with his toys, watching this movie
3: as a child. Uh, I was writing this out. Oh, well, that's probably true. That first part. (laughs) 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 All right. So the next day, uh, the Frog Brothers, Michael and Sam, they go to kill the Lost Boys. (laughs) They do. I mean, that is is what they do. Yeah. And he's like, Sam, you can't go because I'm worried about you to die. And then I wrote my outline in true Michael fashion. He can't fight for himself. And he has to try to rescue the girl and abandons his brother immediately.
1: Yeah, like a true older brother, he needs his younger brother to solve his problems <laughs> right. for him while he fucks off and tries to bone his like romantic interest.
3: <laughs> uh, Michael immediately finds Star in the cave, and Ten takes the little boy and Star out of the cave and lets Sam and the and the Frog Boys go hunting. Okay, can I point this out? I think it's super clear
1: that star the actress playing star was not in the scene where he goes in and takes her out oh yeah because he throws her his jacket on her while she's off like screen she's like under the frame yes and he puts his jacket over her face. And, like, carries her out. And if you look at, like, the complexion of the person he's carrying, it's so different from Star. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I thought that was funny. I also like that the her little, like, son, Laddie, or whatever their relationship is, is dressed like Gavroche, that French boy from Les Mis. Like, he looks like he's from, like, Renaissance
3: France. Ah, yes, the cliché reference. Bouchard for Les Mis
1: No Gavroche he, He's the
3: little boy Who like Points out Hey
1: that's That's uh, Javert," And then he gets killed When he's getting ammo Like there's a whole People out there know Gavroche
4: uh, Yes I'm familiar with Gavroche
1: But he looks like a Like colonial French boy Can I just say that Does that work Is that good enough For a dumbed down reference For middle America Mikey He
3: looks like he's being Dressed to be groomed By Michael Jackson <laughs>
1: Okay so he was wearing a Napoleonic tunic style jacket that is essentially what I'm saying.
3: I think we're saying the same thing.
1: Right. I think we're just saying it for two different types of people. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder which one which type is listening to a horror podcast. <laughs> I know the people who see the metaphor I saw in this movie got my reference, though. I see the metaphor. I just hate Michael's character because all he does is star. Most Michaels I know are that way. And if you're not that Michael on the
3: podcast, it might be you. Fair enough. Okay, so they find that. They're like, oh, it smells in here. And the Frog Brothers and Sam look up. And oh shit, they're all hanging from the ceiling like bats. I love that they
1: literally, like, this is where they show up with their logoed, like, merch. Like, they're wearing their t-shirt. And they go and, like, try and kill these vampires. And do kill some of them in this scene. But like they're like looking around the cave for the coffins, and they're like not in coffins. So they look up and they're just hanging from the grossest feet I've ever seen. Not uh, debatable. E- except they- <laughs> for every morning
4: when you put your feet on the ground by your bed yeah. and you look at them? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is
1: literally when I wrote in my notes great insert Todd feet joke here. Yep. Because I knew it was gonna happen. I like I knew it. I was like, fuck you, Kiefer's feet. Is this how you
3: feel when you take your socks off every day? <laughs>
1: I do have some talented feet, like I
3: can pick up stuff with my feet so like you, Did you say you have some Talented feet talent, Talons on your feet Or talented I think I said talented But I did misspeak talons. I, talons. I do
1: have talented okay. feet Yes Where I can pick up stuff With my feet Have you ever like been like Walking through your floor And like saw a sock That was just like left Or whatever And you picked it up With your foot And
3: threw it to yourself And caught it I My feet can do that as well They just don't look Hideously ugly Oh
1: I've always thought of that As like the trade off Like I have ugly feet But I can do things with them And you're what you're telling me Is no you can have pretty feet and also useful feet and now I feel like I uh, I got screwed in the feet department because like my feet are not as bad as Kiefer's in this movie but like they're close like I understand why I'm the butt of this joke <laughs> this is like when I'm getting bullied at school and I'm just like yeah I mean that's right. You're right. It's not as much fun for the bully when you're like, yeah, that's a factually correct bully you just pulled off right there. My parents are divorced. Yeah. That's still fun. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm having fun.
3: I'm having a good time.
1: <laughs> Mikey's the kind of bully that when you agree along, it does not take the wind out of his sails.
3: Now we'll call your mom and have you tell her that you agree with this.
1: <laughs> My mom's like, yeah, no, he does have weird feet. They're from his dad's side of the family. There's a reason we're divorced. Like, yeah, we get it. Mikey's like, all right, we're calling your granddad. Well, he's dead. Yeah,
3: of course he's dead. You killed him with those ugly feet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mikey's that kind of bully. We're like taking the wind out; it's not gonna work.
3: Okay, so then they uh, the Corey climbs (laughs) up the ladder, I guess, and then he stakes Theodore Es, where Logan Esquire. Yeah, and then ectoplasm comes out of him. It literally rains blood down
1: on the everyone below them. Um,
3: I believe in my notes it's referred to as slime. And then he explodes into slime. It is slime. (laughs) And the other vampires wake up and Kiefer chases Sam out. I mean, all I know is you can't say that on television or whatever (laughs) that show was. (laughs) And uh, Kiefer almost pulls him back into the cave, but they make it to the light. Uh, They come out and they're like, Michael, where were you? And he's like asleep next to Star because that is his only motivation.
1: Yeah. Hot. I have a question. So if you're like not a man, but not yet a vampire, like- Can you walk in the day? Because it seems like Michael can walk around during the day, and Star can some. They just seem weaker.
4: Yeah, it depends on your mythology. In this, yes. Okay. They just seem weaker.
1: Because Michael does appear to be hungover during the day, but can be outside, like that kind of stuff. And Star seems to always look fabulous wherever she is no matter day or night.
4: I think they get weaker the longer they go without feeding. Okay, so th- he, like
1: the longer you're a half vampire, the weaker you are. Okay, that makes sense.
4: I don't know. Yeah, kind of kind of like in in Dracula before that wolf thing killed her, ate, ate her pussy to death. Because she was bit and she just got weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, weaker and then eventually turned because she drank his blood. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe that's yeah. what it is. Maybe it's one of those kind of vibes. Yeah.
3: Which makes me think this movie would have been a little better if Michael fed on his brother or somebody else to fight Kiefer at the end because he did not feed. And was-
4: I mean, that's a wild twist, but yeah. That makes sense. Well,
3: like, are like, hey, I know you need blood to fight him.
1: Oh, I love this. Okay. So Sam is like, Michael, bite me so you can get stronger. Right. And they kill Kiefer while he's stronger. And then they have the reveal of, oh my God, he wasn't the head vampire. My
3: brother's going to die. And then now he's a vampire. And then they all freak out. And
1: now we've got stakes of like, we've got to kill the head vampire. And then Max shows up and it becomes like a bigger level fight. I actually like that.
4: Because when they kill Max,
3: they're all fine, right? Yeah, they're all normal, yeah.
4: No, 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 no. Because it says, it's isn't it only the half vampires turn normal?
3: No, the other ones do too. The other ones do too?
2: Well,
1: I mean, I don't know that any of the other ones are alive still, you know? Because I thought they killed all of them.
3: They do. They do. kill. They aggressively kill everyone because they don't know which one of the group is the
2: head one.
4: Right. But yeah. well, when they say it earlier, they say all the half vampires turn normal. But those are all full vampires. So if Michael feeds, that means he's a full vampire. So he might not turn back.
3: Okay, you're you're right, I thought it was all vampires. I may have been mistaken
4: in most mythology, it's all, but I in this movie they said half at one point, but I, I don't know for sure. I think you might be
1: right, Paige. But yeah, you'd have to redo that element of it to make it, I think, land. Yeah, although maybe the ultimate sacrifice is Michael giving up his life, yeah, to save his brother, and then when they kill when he kills Max, it also kills him. To protect his family. Now we're just rewriting a different movie. Yeah, yeah. But, like, that is a huge, I love that moment yeah. for whatever future movie we're building
3: here. <laughs> okay. Uh, so they take Star and the little boy, who's not super important, but gives. Laddie. His name is Laddie, and he has almost zero
1: lines that aren't Star. Yeah. yeah. He's always like needing Star, wanting to be close to Star. That's it. Oh, so
3: he's Michael. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Laddie does seem like I got the vibe that like they were brother and sister but like she was his caretaker right like that kind of vibe yeah or like a little boy that Kiefer brought in and like yes no that's what, I, that's what I think but they what I'm saying is like they're not like actually related but they see each other as brother and sister
3: his missing poster is around a lot in the rest of the film which is cool I think
1: you see it on the milk container at the granddad's house yeah I think is when you see his
3: so then they decide to tell their mom about vampires because in two hours, they're gonna try the vampires will be awake and they're gonna try to kill them.
1: Yeah, this is when they rush back. I do want to point out when they leave the vampire cave, they are covered in the um, what did you call it? The ooze slime. The slime, thank you, Mikey. There there is so much glitter on their bodies, so like on their clothes in this scene. It's like that, like because he was the lead guitarist for Wild Stallion, like his blood was just also full of glitter. Like I don't know what it was. But it was so funny to me.
3: He was a Twilight vampire.
1: <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. Whenever you kill a Twilight vampire, they explode glitter all over you.
2: Yeah.
3: Love it. We we haven't gotten that far in the Twilight verse, <laughs> yeah. so like I'm not sure. Yeah. Mom's like, no, I'm going to go on another date. You guys are stupid or whatever. And then uh, they, the, Sam and the camp, the Frog Brothers, they go to a church, interrupt a baptism, and get more holy water, which was a fun scene. And then they trick <laughs> their grandfather into going on a date, and then everybody starts boarding up and like barricading the house. Yeah,
1: they're sort of like. I mean, Home Alone hadn't come out yet, so they didn't do it correctly. But they are sort of like
3: preparing for the attack on their home, knowing it's coming. Yeah, they fill squirt guns with garlic holy water. They fill a bathtub with holy water, all that stuff. Uh, mom's on a date with Max, and she tells Max about the vampires, and uh, and then the comic, like it cuts back to the comic book kit, the Frog Brother. Like every vampire dies differently, which I guess they had to establish because they're like the slime stuff was too messy in filming. We need them to die In other ways now
1: <laughs> I do love that They do die differently Like some, some of them Melt Yeah Some of them just like Collapse because you Shot him in the heart Which like He might not have been A vampire
2: Yeah
4: Anyway <laughs> right. He could have just <laughs> Been a guy and,
1: But <laughs> Yeah But like m- Like who could jump Like he was an Olympian And you shot him Anyway uh, He just fell with The wrong crowd But Max explodes Like it's Chernobyl Like it's nuts It's so funny to me Yes But I mean he is The ultimate big bad So like I like that his was that level explosion hell
3: yeah oh uh, and then uh so the vampires show up but the the dog they left the dog outside because they're idiots no nook yeah you got to go save the dog Na-nook, and then nooks tied against the fence to lure them out sam goes then michael goes they then they were able to make it inside but the vampires are just coming in everywhere there's chaos here we're going to distill it down in a narrative fashion yes uh one comes through the chimney
1: but because during this trip they weren't invited in Now they can be hurt when they're inside. So like all the, like staking through the heart, all that stuff. Like, Holy Water does work on them now because they weren't invited. Right. It also works on Max later, which I thought was interesting because he was invited at one point. I don't know. Like, do you get, like, a 24-hour license to sit in the home and you have to renew it every 24
3: hours? Like, what are the rules there? I think it makes more sense if if the head vampire is just less weak than these newer vampires.
1: I also think, like, I mean, maybe it's while you're on the premises, you ha you're allowed to stay there and be unaffected by garlic or, and you, you have a reflection and all that stuff. But when you leave the premises, it then has to reset. Maybe, I don't know. It just seemed like a weird way to get around the red herring issue. But I love the red herring in this movie is the actual bad guy. So like, I totally forgive it because I think it's awesome. That's so
3: rare. And so, uh, upstairs you have the frog boys brothers apparently not the frog like, boys mikey like, the frog the frog the frog brothers <laughs> they're upstairs in the bathroom they splash holy water on the vampire oh yeah
1: and they're getting they're getting attacked
4: by like uh one of the vampires uh-huh. it's kind of a chaos everywhere at once kind of thing
3: yes but we're going to focus on this part for so they they splash water on the vampire he's like got little burns but he then he like pushes them he's like you kids are so stupid i'm going to murder you and then the dog being a boss comes and just jumps with the jumps into the vampire, knocks him into the tub, and then the, the dog jumps out and the vampire like slowly dissolves away in the holy water. It's a pretty cool scene. I think the, the effect's held up.
1: It, I think it does because it's probably all practical, so it holds up. And I think that the jump scare, although I knew it was coming, I do think it was effective. Because he's like under the water and you assume he's like dead melting into the water. Yeah. And then he just pops up right there and it's like
3: really gory, like it was cool. And then every, all the plumbing break in the house and blood comes out of everything.
1: When he dies in the tub, it like turns from like this vampire in the tub to like immediately the pipes are possessed and are like shooting brown water out of all of these
3: faucets in the house. Or blood, I'm sure it's blood. Downstairs, Michael and Sam are together. A vampire grabs Michael, he water guns him in the face. <laughs> i thought them like
1: the montage of them gearing up and like yeah. filling literal like shitty 80s water gun this is like pre super soakers so it was like oh yeah plastic trashy <laughs> 60s looking water guns i love yes. it it was so funny but they're like trying to shoot him with that
3: michael is again ran- running away from his brother who's about to die to go find star And then so. Man, he's just dying for star, (laughs) baby. You know, (laughs) I've been there. Can't get enough of it. So, I mean, Sam fights pretty well. He does for like a 14 year old. Yeah. Yeah, the Frog Brothers do all right. Yeah. And the vampire gets up. He shot him once again in the heart. He shoots him again, nails him in the heart, plugs him into the stereo. And then he's electrocuted and then he's like, Sam's like, death by stereo. Like very 80s.
1: I love the 80s like stinger on some of the kills and like death by stereo. Like that to me felt like the writer in the room was like, oh, I love this scene. I'm going to tag it. Hell yeah.
4: Which is wild because it's a shitty stinger. It doesn't mean anything. (laughs) I know. Like to me, it was like. In the elevator
1: pitch that this guy was like throwing out. That was what became Lost Boys. He was like, and then someone gets like death by stereo or whatever. And they were like, I like it. Let's do death by stereo.
4: So like it became a line of dialogue. A little stupid gremlin, a
3: little vegetable gremlin. Yeah, (laughs) Exactly.
1: It's like that kind of vibe. Yeah.
3: Uh, As they are running back upstairs, Michael uh, gets attacked by Kiefer and goes down. But upstairs, we'll come back to that. Upstairs, the Frog Brothers and Sam are almost attacked by the little boy who bursts through a mattress. <laughs> That's Laddie. That's Laddie who does that. The, li- the little Laddie comes out of the bed. Yes. Because when they like when they run
1: upstairs, like Star Laddie and the two Frog Brothers all run upstairs. I think Sam might be there too.
3: Yes, Sam's there.
1: The two Frog Brothers are like, let's just go ahead and kill them because they are like pre vampires. Like yeah. they are vampires who could. Become full vampires if they just chose to bite somebody, right? Right. So, like, I understood why they, with, like, being very young and not having very good impulse control, would think, maybe I should just kill them and get out of this situation. I understand. Yeah. But Star pops out and is like, don't kill Laddie. He's not going to feed. He just has trouble controlling it or whatever. And, like, they do decide not to, right? I think that's because... That's when the guy comes out and
3: starts to attack the brothers, right? No, 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 no. Th- then it cuts back downstairs where Keith and Michael are having his, their fight. That's right. That's right. But they don't kill Laddie or Star. No, no. Star's like, don't do it. And They're like, okay, whatever. Right. So it cuts back downstairs. They're having their, they're having a floaty room fight when they're both, they're both vampire versus vampire. They're fully transformed and they're taking turns throwing each other in antlers. Uh, very polite fight.
1: I did like how they did this because like. Michael has not fully embraced his vampireness yet and like Kiefer is like using his vampireness to like fight. so he's like swooping his camera in and then you see like an arm punch Michael in the face and then it swoops away yeah and then you see him like in the rafters with just a spotlight yeah. on him like it was <laughs> like a 1960s Broadway play like i I thought it was so funny and then Michael's like, fuck this, I'm going to vamp yes. out, and then he does, and they jump towards each other,
3: and it it looks, it's awesome. I love it. It looks good. The The, the effects, I do think, hold up. Yeah. So they, he throws, you know, they throw each other back and forth in the antlers until Michael finally impales Kiefer on, uh, it looks like, antelope antlers, and then he gets a spotlight death where the spotlight really just follows him like it always has. It is
1: like a Shakespearean play in the 60s on Broadway, every time he's on the screen, and I love it, but I do think, Another allegory in this movie is the whole, like, you have my blood flowing in you line that Kiefer says to Michael's character. And then Michael's like, yeah, but I have my own blood in me, too, so I'm going to choose what's right for me. Because they're having this whole fight, and during this whole fight, Kiefer's like, you should join us. I don't want to kill you. Right. Like, this life is the tits. It's going to be great. And I know you because you have me in you. And this, I think, is him, like... however you read this movie as like you know is there some sexual overtones or not like are you going to give into this thing that others you and in this movie michael chooses not to is what is happening in this
3: well i mean they have not sold the vampire lifestyle very successfully he's like look how cool this is and they have not been cool at all True. or like i mean like they live in filth and squalor and then like are just kind of dicks and like really he's got one motivation and that comes running down the stairs after this fight yeah and he's like don't tell don't tell my brother that i look like a vampire
1: <laughs> yeah because star is over there with them and does stand in between like michael and sam who yeah like can't see him or whatever as like sam
3: and the frog brothers see Kiefer as a metaphor for her coming between michael and the rest of his family like, like she is the whole <laughs> film uh <laughs> Accurate <laughs> Mom comes in And with Max And uh, Max finds Kiefer's body Looks at it And then he like You know he grows his vampire fangs And he's like I'm a vampire And then he had a whole plan The whole time He's like I wanted to recruit the mom Because
1: these boys need a mother Yeah I mean essentially he was like It's a story Of a pretty lady Yeah Who came into my ripoff Towers books Or whatever And then like Yeah He wanted to like Turn her and her family So that she was the mother That like kiefer and his coven needed she's the Wendy to his peter pan exactly yes but max is facilitating that relationship it's not exactly peter pan but it's close
3: yes yeah and then um michael reveals he's a vampire attacks max max is obviously much stronger and does the old movie throw him and he loses consciousness
1: (laughs) you know to take your main champion out of the way (laughs) so now you have to
3: have some like last minute save (laughs) where the granddad wait wait first first He takes Sam and then he tells the mom, let me bite you or I'm going to kill your kid. Yes. And then mom willingly goes over. She sacrifices herself and is about to get bit until
1: the clearly drunk granddad coming home from the widow Johnson's house drives through the wall and impales Max with just like a big log
4: spike. But we saw him set that stake up earlier it's Chekhov steak I know he's like I know. in the middle of the yard just like this is gonna come in handy at some point I mean and you're
1: not wrong but to me it shows one of two things and it's revealed what it is it's that he is so comfortable and familiar with the vampire problem in his city that he doesn't even feel like it's something that's worth telling his family about. Like, he is that level of comfortable with it, and it's
3: nuts to me, and I love it.
4: Well, I mean, that gives us his, his final line of the movie, Mikey. Well,
3: he could have killed, killed his whole family driving through that living room. I know. Because she was being held by him at the time. Yes. It was very lucky. Yes, like, million to one shot. Max blows up in the fireplace. The kids are back to normal. Grandpa gets a... Root beer out of the fridge And he says The one thing I can never Stomach about Santa Carla Is all the damn vampires And it fades to the credits
4: And, and that's, that's the
1: movie. movie So having seen the movie Having talked about the movie What did you guys think about The Lost Boys I
4: mean it's a fun classic
3: It's fun
1: I really love this movie
4: It's. I feel like I'll watch it more often i haven't i hadn't watched it in a while and i had a good time
1: i don't think i've watched this since we watched it for the podcast originally and man i loved revisiting it today i think this is definitely one that i will revisit more often i can't exactly explain it but it it's got the messaging that i uh, that i dig like i really love the the movie is like michael being othered or realizing he's different and his brother like Like right before all the action kicks off, like says, hey, I know you're different and I love you. You're my brother. I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to help you in whatever way you need. And like I love that relationship in this movie so much. It is great. And it's also like 80s bonkers. Yeah. And that's fun.
3: I mean, you know, I I respect that metaphor. I see it as this boy meets this girl destroys his whole family chasing after her and then uh, destroys his house. And makes no critical thinking decisions Except that he loves boobs
1: I do feel like that was pretty much my vibe When I was 20 though He ignores so much other things To to (laughs)
3: star Scott. I know She's half a vampire when they meet And I don't blame star I want that to be very clear because she's a more nuanced character than Michael. She's like, this other kid, he's innocent. I'm trying to protect him and get help and change him. Yeah. And then Michael's like, Star, what you do? I like Star.
4: (laughs) He does really only have her most as a motivation, to be honest. Yeah.
1: I mean, he does have stated like motivations of protecting his younger brother, but like he doesn't ever do that when given the chance to protect his brother. In fact, he leaves his brother to just protect Star. (laughs) and does not go back for his brother and the Frog Brothers when he has Star safe in the convertible or whatever. yeah, He just waits there for him. He takes Laddie out
3: <laughs> and goes back and gets Star, and then goes back out and doesn't come back in. Exactly, yeah.
1: So we know he's capable of going back in. He makes two trips. None of them are for
3: his brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the first time I watched it where that part of the movie like really bothered me, where I'm like, this is the worst brother almost in the history of brothers.
4: I mean, honestly, worse than charlie st cloud maybe yeah i think yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: charlie really loved his brother and always went back for his brother he
4: did except for
1: the one time he went chasing uh-huh. the girl he had sex with while she was astrally projectionally flirty fishing him
4: on top of that grave yeah uh-huh.
1: <laughs> on top of her dad's grave it wasn't perhaps. her
4: dad's it wasn't her dad
1: <laughs> it was those veterans That's up for debate and that debate happened on the Charlie St. Cloud episode of Romance in the
3: Pot. But he feels guilty about it. We as an audience know that Charlie feels guilty about choosing a girl over his brother. Oh, yes. Very guilty about it. Michael never feels guilt about choosing Star over his family. No. Anyway, sorry. That part. I, I, that was a new take for me on this film that I learned today.
1: I do think it's very funny, and I love that you brought it to the episode, because <laughs> that's great. But, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us?
4: I do. Well, here it is with your fun facts. Last boy. Fun Fun facts facts. So uh, I'd like to start out With a fun fact That I think was added By the person who wrote it The new location Of the Atlantis (laughs) Fantasy World comic book store Which was featured in the film Is that the Frog Brothers comic book store It's gotta be right Okay Is owned by Joe Ferreira II Who still carries The original number one issue Of Vampires Everywhere That Sam reads in the film The comic was (laughs) created Only for the film And it's opening pages Signed by all of the cast members From the movie The owner Joe Ferreira II Allows any shopper To Hold it and take a photo with it free of charge. What?
2: <laughs> That's why I think it
4: was added by Joe Ferrer the second. Maybe I'm a hundred percent sure it
1: was. And also, can we go? Yeah. Like when we're going to the boardwalk to get funnel cakes can- and to see the sack, the shirtless saxophone oiled up man. Can we go?
4: Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, this is Corey hame and Corey Feldman's first film together, which marks the start of the Coreys. Yes. Until uh, Corey hame's untimely death. Uh, But this is kind of the first one of what would be many of them working together. Uh, Gerard McMahon wrote the theme song, Cry Little Sister, after reading the script, but without seeing the movie. Well, is that, I mean, because there is no little sister in the movie. I
1: think that that's very funny. Like, I have no idea. There's a little brother. It should be Cry
4: My Brother. Maybe stars the sister. Who knows? Ooh. I mean, I hope at least stepsister, but like... Yeah, I don't know. No, I I think they mean like the sister of the vampire. Anyway, (laughs) there is a documentary that covers part of the making of this movie called Bloodsucking Cinema. It came out in 2007 before Corey Haim passed away. Okay. And Corey Haim says in that documentary... That all the blood had glitter in it To make it shimmer And it was slimier than regular fake blood Ah. Oh my god So like Mikey called it slime And I pointed out the glitter Like we nailed that And I have not seen that documentary There you go Nice Uh, The bandstand that the band is playing on With the saxophone Used to stand at the boardwalk. It's one of the few things pictured on the boardwalk in this film that no longer exists uh, because that, along with the original location of the comic book shop, were actually destroyed in the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake right after this film was made. Okay. Uh, Max's house in the film, along with the bridge that Thorne chases Lucy over, were also destroyed during the quake. Almost everything else from the movie is still visible and still standing at the boardwalk. Very cool. We should go. Of course. So when asked why he made this film, Joel Schumacher simply said, vampires are hot. They're the only erotic monsters. Frankenstein is not hot. He also...
1: Accurate, though.
4: <laughs> accurate. Uh, when consulted about how they were going to depict the vampires in the movie, he supposedly said... "Oh, I'll, I'll tell the story behind it. Okay, okay. so uh, the head of the makeup department, V. Neal, uh, suggested makeup artist Greg Cannon to do the vampire prosthetics. And they are made of like they're like a foam silicone prosthetic okay however joel schumacher didn't like any of the makeup tests okay there was another very very elaborate version and Canum eventually kind of asked for more guidance on like what do you want joel schumacher said in response i've hired these sexy young kids and i want them sexy i don't want monsters so they changed and they were like well why don't you test on the side and see what he thinks So V-Neil brought in actor Brooke McCarter to test the waters. Uh, He wanted them to be stylized and streamlined. And they did bigger prosthetics than the film with like a larger forehead, a longer face. And Joel still was like, it's still too much. (laughs) We still want them sleeker and sexier. Yeah. (laughs) They also made custom vampire teeth for every actor to wear uh, that were kind of understated and delicate as opposed to Dracula. So they could still talk. They also adjusted the color of their teeth with the fake teeth to make them look almost like pearls uh so they put wire into the dentures so they'd be super strong and then they wouldn't come off as easily so like your teeth kind of hooked into the bottoms of the actor's real teeth it's very cool yeah they worked on the teeth a lot the teeth like the
1: fangs were also like closer to the front yeah than they are on a lot of other like vampire stuff
4: yeah You can see a movie poster for Once Bitten behind Max when Lucy first goes into the video (laughs) store, which is pretty fun. Nice. Okay. They specifically made this movie to appeal to the MTV crowd because Joel Schumacher believed that music videos had launched a more nonlinear way of telling stories and he could do that in a film. And I think he does it really successfully in this movie, I would argue.
1: I mean, there's a reason people still talk about this movie, man. Like, yeah, it's great.
4: So- Kelly Jo Minter was one of the other friends, basically. She's like another teenager on the boardwalk, but almost all of her scenes get cut from the film. Uh, The only place where you can still see her is, like, over Lucy's shoulder sometimes. Was she one of Star's friends? She's, like, one of Star's friends. And she goes on to do other things, like, other movies and stuff. Like, she's one of those people that goes on to continue to work for a while. Right. And in this movie, she's just... Like, who is this? Kelly Jo Minter is her name. But okay. she's just visible over somebody's shoulder in this movie.
1: Wild. Yeah, uh, so... She is in Nightmare on Elm Street,
4: The Dream Child. Yes. Right? So like And the people under the stairs? Yeah, yeah. So she went on to act. And House Party. Yeah. Um several thousand local residents answered the casting call, an open casting call for family street people, punks, surfers, roller skaters, and, quote, brain dead hippies of <laughs> 2000 applicants. What? Yes. So 2000 people applied. Uh they didn't use all 2000 but they signed for several nights of work on what was the largest film production ever brought to Santa Cruz at that time until Us broke that record. That's awesome. In the cave of the Lost Boys, you can see a pristine poster of Jim Morrison who recorded the original version of that People Are Strange song with The Doors, which does get kind of used in this movie. Yeah. And when Star and Laddie are being carried into Sam's room, you can actually see a poster of Echo and the Bunnymen who recorded the version of People Are Strange that does get used in this movie. Yeah. In the video store, you can see a single copy of The Goonies in the background nice. as kind of a shout out. Yes. Nice. Uh, but Corey Feldman almost didn't end up in this movie. At the time, he was struggling with drug, adu- drug abuse at a very young age, and he showed up to work coming down from a cocaine binge. Ooh. Uh, Joel Schumacher was very upset of course. that Corey kept falling asleep on set and was unable to continue filming, so he fired him. But then hired him back the next day after Corey apologized And swore to come to work prepared from then on Which he did
1: I mean good for him That's oh man that's rough
4: Now Timmy Capello the saxophone player Yeah Obviously makes a name for himself in this movie uh, But he actually had a pretty wild career before that He was in the touring band for Tina Turner During her comeback tours of the mid-1980s That's how they hired him for this
1: movie Awesome okay very cool I mean, did he write that song? Like, who who wrote "I Still Believe"? Oh, I have no idea. Because that song slaps. I <laughs> love that song. That yeah. That's... I mean, that song <laughs> in this movie iconic, and same with "Cry, Little Sister." Like, yeah, those those are iconically this movie, and I love them.
4: Although I feel this is just me. I feel like cry little sister gets kind of pretentious. Cause it does the like thou shalt yeah. not fall. But I love that pretentiousness. Like, oh, I, it okay. is ridiculous. It's overly serious, but it makes me laugh every time. And yes. so I wouldn't change it for the world. Exactly. I wouldn't change it either.
1: But like when Kiefer Sutherland is dying and all you're hearing is the like score Like, orchestral music, and then the echoes of the kids. Thou shall not kill. Like, it's very campy silly, and
3: I'm here for it. It's ridiculous. But it's 80s serious, which comes back around to being... To being funny, That's what I
4: mean. Like, it's so on the nose. And it's still slaps. Like, it's still serious,
3: but campy. It, like, really balanced it.
4: It is. It just reminds me of the over-seriousness of The Crow. Yeah. Anyway, according to the writers of the film, the name... Lucy was chosen uh, to reflect Lucy from Bram Stoker's Dracula. If you remember from when we did Dracula, Uh, she's the one that gets her pussy ate to death. Uh, So (laughs) now Joe Ferreira, the second from the earlier fun fact is actually in the film. He owned the comic shop before it was destroyed and then owns the new location of it too. Uh, but part of the stipulation for using his location is that he, he got to be in the film. He right
1: now is so excited that he's two for two on fun facts that he wrote that have also been re- read on the Horror Virgin podcast.
4: What's up? Okay, <laughs> I'm going to have this be our last fun fact because I feel like this is going to inspire some discussion. Corey Haim's character Sam has a poster of Rob Lowe in the outside of his closet door, as we talked about during the episode. In the DVD commentary, Joel Schumacher said that it was there because he had recently directed Rob Lowe in St. Elmo's Fire in 1985. And Sam has a poster of him on the inside of the closet door because St. Elmo's Fire was popular. However, that poster has sparked years and years of debate as to whether or not Schumacher, as an openly gay man, was making a subtextual statement about Sam's sexuality by putting a picture of a male heartthrob in his closet, basically arguing that Sam is the other, not Michael. And as a reference to being in the closet, Schumacher also has Sam, Sam wearing an earring riding a pink bicycle and being more fashion conscious than any other character. And they do comment on it. Yeah. But Schumacher has never come out and officially said yes or no. I do like
1: that though, because in Schumacher's world, the other would be this guy who was aggressively chasing a woman. Right. Right. Because right. Because he is a gay man. So like, he, like Sam, right. It would be normal. And I, I, I could, I could definitely see it that way. And
3: I sort of love that reading of well, it. And I touched on it a little bit, but the 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 whole closet conversation that him and his mom has... Yes. ...very much seems like there's subtext to it. Pretty
4: blatant. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, I, I will also add this, that the film is titled after Peter Pan. Sure, because the Lost Boys are the boys in Neverland, right? Yes. It, it is named after the Lost Boys, Um, but Peter Pan has also drawn some comparisons to potentially be queer-coded in some ways, so that could also be another layer. I
1: mean, there's a reason that in most productions on Broadway, even Peter Pan is played by a... Played by a woman. A woman,
4: yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those are your fun facts.
1: Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about Box Office. So what do you think the production budget was for The Lost Boys in 1987?
4: I'm going to say 10 million. Okay. Six.
1: You guys are on either side of it. In fact, it's pretty close. I think, Paige, technically you're closer. It's $8.5 million, which if you adjust for inflation would be... million today Now, this movie came out on July 31st, 1987 And it was number two in the box office The number one movie that week was The Living Daylights, number two Obviously, The Lost Boys Number three was La Bamba Number four was RoboCop And number five was Summer School What do you think The Lost Boys made In its opening weekend? And again, that was July 31st, 1987
4: I'm going to say they made, because it's the 80s, during the summer, summer blockbuster, I'm going to say they made 12 opening weekend.
1: Okay. Eight. Mikey, you are technically closer, although it was $5.2 million that it made in its opening weekend. But Paige, if you were just for inflation, that's like 14, which is closer to your territory that you were guessing in. So Mm -hmm. I see how you got there. But this movie was in... The theaters for 10 weeks total, but it was only in like a major nationwide release for like the first six of those. Um, It was in the top 10 for its first four weeks, though. So it it had some pretty good stay power. Like in its second week, it was fifth in the theaters, but still brought in four million dollars. So it like it did okay, even though it fell down. I, I think just more people went to movies back in the day. Yeah. Like in the theaters anyway. But what do you think The Lost Boys made In its domestic, let's just say Worldwide release In 1987
4: 25
1: Okay, Mikey, what do you think? 33? Ooh, Mikey, you're very close It was 32.3 Almost 32.4 million dollars Which, if you adjust for inflation To today's dollars, would be 86.8 million dollars Today So I mean, it definitely made money, and it's, like, yeah. one of those movies that has staying power. So it's, like, still making money, you know? Um, anyway, that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit us with that scary scale?
3: Our scary scale is a scale of 1 to 10 right now. That may change. We're we're changing things up on, on Romance in the Pod. We'll see how it goes. Of how scary found the film when we watched it today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is... Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, Paige. One. Todd.
1: I'm not even sure what I gave this the first time, but it was definitely a one today because the only jump scare that I can remember in the movie I knew was coming.
3: It's it's a one for me too, dog. And that's our scary skill.
1: All right. Well, this week, I, in my very first pick ever, made you guys watch The Lost Boys. What are we watching next week as we complete Revisited Month? It's listener requests. That's right. And this month, obviously, the themed was revisited movies. So, you know, movies we've done in the past, but without Mikey and or Paige. And with all of the movies that were available to be picked, the listeners carved it down to four finalists. And those finalists were Tremors, Leslie Vernon, The Autopsy of Jane Doe and The Descent. And with 46% of the vote, The Descent easily won. And so your homework for next week is to revisit an incredibly scary movie that I remember watching in Jen's Podloft in 2018 when we started this thing. And that movie is The Descent. So Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No. Well, while you're looking one up, let me read a Spotify comment that we got under our most recent The Collector Revisited episode. And this one is from Adriana, and they say Collector doesn't reach Saw or Saw Two status, but I believe it's better than most or all of the succeeding ones. And I love home-centric movies, and this is the Home Alone meets Charles Lee Ray, and I agree. Like that, those are the reasons I like the Collector, which I think we got into a lot on that episode. But Andrea, thank you so much for leaving that comment. Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? These newts. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that name? Deez D's
3: Nutz? These D's Nutz N-O-O-O-O-O-T-Z Hell yeah, well what does D's newts have to say? They said, love this podcast, Russian voice please And since we're in a proxy war with them, I think this won't be that offensive Wow, how controversial for you to admit what is what readily exists Sorry <laughs> Hey man, why fight your own wars when you can pay other people to do them? Pff. It's just good management. We've been doing it since the 60s. I don't do a good Russian voice.
1: Just say babushka to get into it, like babushka.
3: Babushka, I love how they talk about different (laughs) horror movies and talk about the fun facts.
1: Man, I forgot when we used to make Mikey do these in accents, and, man, I love a good throwback joke. This is great.
3: The entertaining, um, nice to listen to, I'm not focusing. (laughs) You're just Arnold. Five stars. <laughs> yeah, he did just go from like
1: <laughs> almost Russian perhaps to like Arnold. Yeah. Arnold. Arnold on the set of Hercules. <laughs> Was it Hercules? that His first hey, movie Achilles. where they Hercules overdubbed him? Hercules is his
3: first film. Yeah, the yeah. Fr- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hercules in New York. Five stars.
1: Well, D's Nudes, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review or me read your comment on Spotify. Do one of those things And we will read them On the episodes So guys If you like this show But want to hear This power thruple On another movie review show About romance And romantic comedies Check out Romancing the pod Where Mikey Paige and I Break down And make fun of Romantic movies It's a lot of fun guys Check it out If you want to follow us On social Please do We are at Horror Virgin Or online at Horrorvirgin.com If you want to follow us All individually You can do that as well Paige is at Paige Wesley On Twitter Or Rampage Wesley everywhere else including TikTok Mikey is at mrandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome if you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier Mm -hmm, than the mm -hmm. regular feed drop we do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that so guys check out the
3: Patreon and help support the show if you want to
1: Not a lot of fun for me This episode was brought to you by Tia And Tia's teenager's been, like, driving her crazy this week So how has Tia's teenager been driving her crazy this week, guys?
4: She keeps playing saxophone shirtless around the house Just, like, all the
1: time But that song does slap Like, that is a song I would, like, put on and dance around my house So, like, I get it This episode was also brought to you by Jonathan And Jonathan wants me to make you guys... Watch a video, so I'm gonna steal your screens right now and do just that. This video is called "2023 is out of here."
2: <laughs>
1: oh, this is, the premise of this is like a guy t- who's talking to himself, but as 2023, and then explaining to 2024 where 2023 is, like culture-wise. Right. <laughs> I do like that. There's like a thing in the scene that says "property of 2020, do not touch." <laughs> as toilet paper, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you didn't do anything <laughs> new? Nope, just the
1: same stuff, but dumber <laughs> Now they're talking about Ocean Gate, hell yeah I forgot that was this year Awesome, well Jonathan, thank you so much for that video And for the support, we appreciate it We now return you to another episode of uh, The,
2: the Patrionicals. Patrionicals
3: Okay, here we go So, in the last episode, lots of things have changed Yes, we're now in a Tronverse. Yes, Laura pulled everyone out Everyone's waking up, and it looks like Tron. It's just like glowy shit everywhere. <laughs> and uh, <Lara> Laura, <laughs> <laughs> why is there a bad CGI Jeff Daniels? Oh, because it's Tron. At that time, it was not bad CGI. It was CGI. Revisit it, Mikey.
4: Yeah, Tron Revisited has the CGI Jeff Daniels. Oh, terrible.
3: yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the original. No. You You can tell when you say Tron that my mind just goes to like when you when you say Star Wars, it goes to the good ones as well. Uh,
1: (laughs) Yeah, I only think about Rogue One when I
3: hear Star Wars 2 So, same So, Laura, they wake up and in the distance They see a giant tornado red face From, like, the evil Tron Remember Tron? Yeah, yeah, yeah The original one? Yeah, yeah yeah. So, Laura's that Moses demands macaroni art Yeah, no, I'm familiar (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah So, Laura's that And she's like, wake up, you are in the Tronverse
4: I don't know why, but I'm picturing
1: the baby from Teletubbies Like, in the sun, just yelling at them And I don't know why (laughs) That's just
3: what the image. Like that. That's what popped in my it's head. A, it's like a tornado coming up, and it's like a face. Laura's okay. the face. Okay, that's a better yeah, imagery. Yeah. I think mine was silly. We, we'll just do the whole Tron ripoff. We're just we're ripping off Tron. That's what we're doing. All right.
4: Light cycles. Let's go.
3: Yeah. Kate wakes up. She's wearing. She's wearing blue. She got the blue lights. No psychic powers. Oh no! She's been psychic for a minute. None right now. Oh, okay. You know okay. what I'm
1: saying? Maybe it's like something she can l- unlock along her like hero's journey that's about to
3: start. Yeah, could could be something like that. Nice. Uh, Karun and Natasha wake up. They're not even aliens. <gasps> they're no longer blue? Oh, my God. Well, they
4: are, but like glowy blue because it's Tron. Yeah, they're glowy blue because
3: <laughs> it's Tron. But they look like unalienized versions of themselves. And then they were like, was it real? They have a conversation where our children real? Was losing our home planet real and everything else like that?
1: Oh, oh no. my god! Imagine like what? realizing
3: that all of your trauma
1: was just a virtual game that you were sucked out of. They both
3: start crying. I hope that's what death is. Uh huh. What?
4: Like existence.
3: Got it. <laughs> uh, Aaron wakes up. She's got blue on her. <laughs> the rest of development reference. Well, because they're glowy blue, like Tron. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's got uh, a bow and arrow. Okay. uh, Like an electronic one where like she shoots. You hear like the electricity sizzle and the bowstring looks like the electricity
1: from Gremlins.
3: She just pulls the string back and when she releases it, like like a thing of light comes out, like an arrow of light comes out.
1: This sounds almost like a weapon that a Greek god
3: would have and I'm here for it. No, no, no. It's like in a computer. It's just computerized. It's like low res... Computer graphic. Okay. Uh Ali is no longer a mermaid.
1: <gasps> is the top half a fish now?
3: <laughs> That's a valid question. You gotta answer it. <laughs> I just want to specify. I just wanna know. She's not fish, she's not fish at all. All right. <gasps> and she's like, I don't remember my past. <gasps> if I'm not a mermaid, I only and so she's crying. There's people <laughs> who are having some a lot of a lot of bad stuff. Uh Boezy wakes up He remembers his whole life He's like I was fucking that mermaid And then uh,
1: <laughs> So unlike in Charlie St. Cloud When Amanda remembers <sighs> When she asserily projected uh, And wooed Zach Efron into fucking her So like uh-huh. Ali doesn't remember but Boezy does And he's gonna
3: struggle with like The memory
1: This woman he is in love with Does not remember their love story
3: Yeah but he gets <laughs> What's transferred out was a Tron version of his jet ski. Oh.
1: It's like the light bikes,
3: but it's like a
1: wave runner version of it.
2: But it's a jet <laughs> ski. I love this,
3: yeah. I like that a lot. Now, Jeremy wakes up, he's like, oh, it's all a simulation or whatever, we're still trapped in the computer, but but he still has laser eyes. Of course. Okay. He, he gets his laser vision back, and he he's the happiest he's been in a long time. Since he lost his laser toe. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he had a laser toe? I think so, Paige. He did.
3: Todd <laughs> has been listening. When you tune great. out
1: sometimes during the Patrioticals, man, weird shit happens, Paige.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um Libby wakes up and she's like, "Oh, thank God that last thing he made me was not good." And then so Libby has a lightsaber that's blue that matches her Tron outfit. I love it. Uh Mr. Ragebomb wakes up and he tries to use his powers, but what he does is create a little like like a gl- like a little like clip art version of a bomb. That like walks off and blows stuff up. All right. I love that. Yeah. It's like if Clippy was a bomb.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like you're trying to commit a crime.
3: <laughs> yeah. Sunzy wakes up and he's a little t- child like Laddie. <laughs> oh, is he wearing a Napoleonic oh. French tunic jacket? He is, but it's Tron style, like glowy too. Great. And he's like, I'm a child. And then he's having a hard time adjusting.
4: <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a child again. Hard pass. Oh,
3: yeah. Well, he, yeah. Um, River Moon makes up, wakes up, and uh, and they are very—they're much younger. And um, when they try to use their healing powers, they conjure a, an antivirus. Okay
1: vile so they're all Just like computers like computer Programmers from like the 90s Mikey has like hacker Knowledge like from the movie hackers And that is what right. they're doing yeah like that Is where Mikey is in his IT Life apparently well
3: I mean I, I mean It doesn't make sense to be like Oh, she goes into C-plus and, like, recompiles the program or whatever. She, no, we need I love something... the way you've
1: done it of Kate puts on her NES power glove and conjures a computer virus that shuts down the Troniverse. No, I love it.
4: Patreonical's oh. bad. Patrionicals <laughs> hurt Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: fucking love Congo references more than any other person on the planet.
2: <laughs> uh, sex
3: Caliber wakes up, it's a person now, and... They have a power glove, because that's a good idea. You're welcome.
2: Whoa. Not sure
3: of the powers, but also happy that they're not a talking sword. <laughs> Aren't we all? Vixen Avery wakes up. They're still hot. Uh, I, I just focus on the Vixen word. I don't know. Well, 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 She
4: also has a power glove, but it's just for pleasure. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: She's also like, you know, it's like. Eight bit,
1: so she looks more like Laura Croft from the early Tomb Raiders, uh, like it's that pointy. kind of yeah.
2: But
4: also, it's still got Amy the gorilla's voice.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Me, Amy, uh, Vixen, Avery. Uh, she is not sure. She feels different, but uh, she's not sure what's up. Uh, but she has like a little like laser gun, her little power. Okay. Came forward, nice. Um, Madeline does cartwheel steel, but with so fast that it becomes like a light cycle. Oh, I love that. And then instead of, like, what was it? The cream filling
1: she left in Candyland? It's just, like, the white streak of the light she uh-huh. left? Love it. Yes.
3: Edward wakes up. He's very confused. He's like, what's happening? How, why are we here? There are other people still in simulations everywhere. You know, they can't wake them up. And um, he has a hammer, just a big, glowy computer hammer. I love it. And he's like, what the fuck does this thing do? And Laura, the giant red <laughs> pillar, was like, hello, I have a i'm still stuck in my simulation somewhere but i was able to hack through you all are being kept here oh wait so wait laura is not even
1: in this Tron she hacked through to the candyland yeah. and was able to suck them into the base program of the tron like computer but she's still stuck in her simulation uh-huh damn this is the first time where like mikey's come to a patreon
3: with levels <laughs> yes <laughs> we're still going so then, Laura's like, look, ever since you guys have been in outer space, it's been different simulations to keep you imprisoned in here.
2: <gasps> okay,
3: that's a, that's been like since the beginning.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: But you were also imprisoned with one or more of your captors. Isaac has always oh. still been evil. <gasps> He's what? keeping you in Whoa! there.
1: Oh, subtly no! pulling the strings.
3: No! You are still in the post-apocalyptic Earth. After the orange juice virus.
1: (laughs) I believe it was the Sunny D virus, Mikey. The Sunny D D virus. virus. God dang it.
3: (laughs) Mikey's bringing that fake news. He's teamed up with Evil Matthew to keep you guys prison. And then when she's starting to talk, all of a sudden, like, she blows up. Laura blows up. And this, like, dark-looking robot cyborg thing is like, my name's Min. I'm here to keep the business. You are not where you're supposed to be. And uh, Min clones itself It's it, like 20 of them start charging at them And it's fade to black Boom.
1: Oh Whoa. shit Alright well I guess we'll have to find out next week What happens to Min and our gang On another episode of
4: uh, The, the Patrioticals. That's gonna be it for us you guys I'm Paige I'm Mikey And I'm your horror virgin Todd Keep it ooky spooky Yeah Have a great week Bye
0: Cry
1: little
3: listeners
1: I love this movie.
3: Don't cry, listener.
2: <laughs> Thou shalt not cry.
1: So great.